Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I woke up. I woke up. <laughs> well, that's all. That's a good thing, man. Praise God. Another day. Another I know. I kept hitting the snooze button. Man. I know, right? Like <laughs> that, seven twenty-eight. Ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. <laughs> no, I was like, oh, let me, let me get up. <laughs> I set the alarm for seven. I woke up a few minutes before, and I went to the facilities, and I came back, and I laid back down. So I, you know, I hit snooze a couple of times. Shoot, I got into that. You can't, man, news, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing some days, man. Uh, well, for me, it, it's a good thing, because otherwise I'd just go back to sleep, period. So at least I have that, that irritation coming every nine minutes. Oh. I, um, I usually go every 15. <laughs> well, mine is... is Preset in the clock for every nine minutes, so I don't have any um, control over it. Uh, yeah, uh, I person I personalized. I'm like every ten minutes, and I get three. I do it for three times, so a whole thirty minutes more. <laughs> <laughs> So I trick myself if I have to get up at seven thirty. I start at seven, and I have my little snooze. Not okay. It's time to get up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, as I say, I don't know if that's a good thing. And like, maybe I should just get on up and call it a day. No. Yeah, that would be the easy thing to do. But what fun is that? True. True. How was your weekend? Uh, quick, as we can send B. But other than that, it was okay. Good, good. Oh, my goodness. All right. All right. Um, this, today's study is not going to be that long, I don't think. Huh? I said today's study is not going to be that long, I don't think. Um, <laughs> it it really depends. That's my call. <laughs> <laughs> I am really loving those mastermind calls, though. And, yeah, it's it's really interesting how you know every you know just to see how everything is connected is kind of it's real awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. 
it feels it feels kind of crazy to to feel you know the way the world wants everything disjointed and and just everything is separate and it's you're here and you're here and you know this whole caste system ideology that's trying to trying to crop back up is just it's crazy mm-hmm. it's crazy. And I was talking to the youth yesterday about that, you know, trying to get them to see how this whole black and white thing is is more than black and white. Mm -hmm. And um, they were just really, they were listening, but, you know, but based on their comments, they still were trying to grasp that it's more than just black and white. Was this your kids? Um, the youth at the church. Oh, okay. I, yeah, we do. Um, we do biblical and social discussion um, on Sundays. So that was basically the topic yesterday. The race, you know, races, and you know what it's actually about, and stuff like that. And so they were just like. Okay, but still, it you know it's black and white. I'm just like okay, <laughs> but you know, it, you know what? It's it's sort of like like planting a seed, and they don't they don't get it now because they can't relate to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they haven't had those experiences yet. But now down the road, when things start happening to them, um, your words are going to come back to them. Yes, and they'll be yes. like, this is what she was talking about. Yeah, and that's and that's the, and that's the awesome thing, and I thank you for that because you know I have to remember that that mm-hmm. it's not going to be, you know, just like everything else, it's not going to be an instantaneous, you know, um, revelation result. Some things mm-hmm. have to take some time, so. Yeah, I needed that remembrance, you know, because I even talk. I was even talking to this guy. Um, he, he had joined the Masons, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I had been meaning to talk to him about it, you know, and so um, yesterday I got my chance, and I told him, I said, "Did you really research?" what the Masons are about. Like, did you do your do your due diligence on that? And he was like, Well, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being a Mason and da 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 And I said, Well I said, Well <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Well, you know, I said, You you have to you know, I said, you didn't see like the the because there's a couple of um Testimonials on um, YouTube mm-hmm. of of ex Masons and you know and why they got out and stuff like that and I you know I'm like so you said no I haven't seen nothing like that you know so this is really just a brotherhood type thing and blah 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 and I told him I said anything that you join where there's secrets involved. That's mm-hmm. not something that you want to be a part of if you're walking as a Christian. I would say because Christianity is supposed to be where you're living a transparent life. 
So if you're doing something where you can't tell nobody else about it, mm-hmm. that's an issue that you need to address, you know. And he kind of just looked at me, and again, you know, what you said, that's the seed that's planted. You know, because mm-hmm. he, he tried to, he, he he did everything to justify it. You know, well, you know, that's just what they say. But if you, you know, you know, just like everybody don't know what goes on in your family. And I'm looking at it like it's not the same thing. It really isn't. You know, that's not the same thing. Because if somebody asks you, well, what does your family do for blah, 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 then, yeah, okay, well, this is that, this and so. I'm like, so you would still answer the question, but mm-hmm. if you ask, if you ask, you know, why do you do this and so, and you're like, no, that's, I can't discuss that. I mean, come on. It's like, all right, you know. And I mean, and they don't either. You know, you know, they'll probably say that they're a mason, but that's about all you're going to get out of them. Mm-hmm. No, nothing else is, is said after that. Um, and I actually know someone is interesting because I have a um, a female pastor friend. She's a she's an Eastern star, and then I have another friend who um, became an Eastern star. But then she she didn't like stick with it. She was like, you know, because that's what bothered her all of the the, the secrecy. You know. Um, they didn't want to tell her anything, you know, like beforehand. And I know that would be a problem with me if you want me to be part of your organization, but you're not going to tell me anything. Just come to this place on this day at this time. And, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know that mm, I, I've seen the movies. That don't, that don't <laughs> You know, that, that's a little cloak and dagger for me, you know. Um, I, I, I want to, you know, know what I'm getting into, be able to ask some questions, meet some people, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And she was the one who actually explained to me, you know, how how demonic it can be, especially the the, the more that you get into it. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting because I do have uh, classmates that are Masons that are, you know, like well into it and, um, you know, but who are also, you know, like in church every Sunday. And so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, exactly. And I was... And and, what was it, and I and I thought about that when he said that I'm like, but you 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 know they have allegiance oaths and all this other stuff too, and it's just like that's, mm. but you know everybody's vote is different, so mm-hmm. I mean everybody has to go through their process on their own, and you know what can you say? <laughs> There's, there's not much justify it. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. How are you? How is everyone? I'm good. How are you all? Good. So, I'm sorry, I'm a few minutes late. I got to doing something else. But I was just curious as to what you guys are talking about, about the Masons. I'm sorry. I don't mean to make you backtrack, but I'm very curious as to um, what you guys are talking about. Oh, um, I have a, a young a young man that's at my church who is part of the Masons, and I have been um, I have been reading you know reading things here and there, and seeing testimonials of ex Masons and stuff, and you know on the you know and how 
basically Mason, you can't, he, the, the, well, the one testimony I, I did, you know, that I did see, he was saying how you can't be a Christian and a Mason. It, oh, it my God. They don't go together. And I was trying you to. You said he like, said that or yeah. somebody else? No, the ex Wait a minute. Hmm? Oh, the ex Okay, you know I'm right. sometimes, y'all. You have to forgive me. So you're saying that another individual at your church who used to be a Mason but denounced it that you can't do both to the new yeah. Mason? To the no, he wasn't. Oh. No, he was. He was. A, he's not from my church. This is um, a testimonial that I saw on YouTube, okay. and he was saying that he was. He, you know, he was a Mason, but then as he was, you know, basically doing his biblical studies and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. as he was going further into the whole Mason thing, he was saying that though it wasn't lining up, and so he let it go. He said he couldn't be. He said he found that he could not be a Mason and a Christian because the the principles weren't lining up as he was going further into the into Masonry, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the guy was like, so I was telling the young man at the church the same thing. I'm like, anything where you have to be secretive about who you're associated with or what you're doing, mm-hmm. I said, that doesn't line up with Christianity at all. So everything, being a Christian is being transparent because you're living your life for other people, you know, basically for other people mm-hmm. to see it. And so he was basically trying to justify that, you know, you don't always know what everybody's doing. And I'm like, but if somebody asks you, well, why do you do thus and so? And your response is, I can't tell you. Does that line up with being a Christian? When you're supposed to be able to tell people this is this and this is this and the why of stuff, you know? And so, you know, we were going back and forth about that. And he was just like, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, he's like, it's all about brotherhood and, you know, being a fraternity, the oldest fraternity and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, okay, you know. You know, it's, that's a really interesting um, discussion because, uh, you know, Sam is a um, is an omega. I'm an AKA. My pastor is a sigma. My dad's a sigma. He's a, you know, there's a lot. Because, you know, the Greeks are nothing but spinoffs or little brother and little sisters of mates. They're all Masonic. It's all Masonic. I didn't mm-hmm. know that at the time, it's, you know, having pledged when I was 19. You know, you don't know that stuff. You just know that it looks cool and, you know, the image and you do customer service and all that stuff. There's so much about um, those And it is a secret society, and you're right. Um, I'm not, you know, down downplaying or anything like that, but I'm just saying that you're right, that it is secretive, um, it is all Masonic, and I've, I too saw, um, I've actually had somebody say, I heard somebody say that, you know, you can't be a Greek, you know, and be a Christian at the same time, you can't be a Mason and be a Christian because they are diametrically opposite, um, they're diametrically, but then, you know, there's a lot of people, the jury's out on that in the sense of, you know, you got a lot of pastors who are really God-fearing people who are serious about the kingdom who are Greek as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I, 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 
you know, I, I think that, um, and, you know, this is my two cents, whatever is worth. Um, I believe that it depends, anything that you make an idol, obviously, is anti-biblical, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, like with anything else, it depends upon how you look, because what, now, I'm, I don't know nothing about Masonry, Eastern Star, none of that stuff. I don't know anything about that because I don't, if, I mean, I think I know a couple people who are, but, you know, we don't talk about it or whatever. Um, no, they don't talk about it. Right. Well, they don't, right. And so, I, you know, I know that um, for us, for my organization, um, we we are, like, we even, you know, with the, rituals and, you know, our code and all that stuff, it's all biblical. Like, it's all Christian stuff that, you know, it it is. Now, is there something else? Maybe there's always something deeper because it's Masonic, you know what I'm saying? So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure there's something deeper that lies beneath or because, like with anything else, you have degrees, you know, People coming in at the ground floor of anything don't know what's going on at the top. And something like Masonic that's so old and you got the shriners and nice and simple. It's so it's so deep. Mm-hmm. It's far deeper than what any of us will ever know because the only people who really know are people who are like the one percent who mm-hmm. run the world. Everybody else is just peons. Seriously. Every all the rest of us at the ground floor, a.k.a. to the ground floor, even the black folks who are masons who are at, like, there is, man, I don't even want to (laughs) know. I don't even want to know, you know, what's at the top floor. I really don't, and I'm quite sure. I don't know, but I'm quite sure ain't nothing godly going on up there. That's the 1%. I don't know. I don't know about that. All I'm saying is I'm quite sure that they weren't thinking about Jesus when they, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but, uh, but, I don't mean, but I'm just saying all that to say that, um, you know, I've heard both sides of that, and I've seen both sides of it, so that's really a very interesting discussion because it's a discussion that is happening more and more now, you know, yeah. presently. And, and the thing is, and, and the reason why it's even coming up is because a lot of a lot of Christians that are part of the organization who are trying to get deeper, mm-hmm. you know, into the Word of God, they're like, okay, they're starting to question everything, you know, making sure that oh. they burn off what's not of God. So that you know, um, nothing nothing is standing between them and their relationship with God. So you know, a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of stuff. Like you said, when we did it when we were younger, it's just like, oh, okay. But now, the the more mature you get spiritually, you just kind of like, hmm. Let me reflect on all the stuff that's going on in my life all the stuff that I'm doing and making sure that it's lining up. And some people are, are, you know, I mean, and the thing is, 
like you said, I mean, some people join and they, they join it because of the imbalance at the heart of it. It's like, okay, some people join mm-hmm. these things for the brotherhood, but some people make an idol out of it. I mean, so oh, I mean, yeah. I'm not knocking, right. you know, because I did. I had at one time when I was in school, I was going to join the Deltas, but I was just like, no, nah, you know, um, no. <laughs> so, by the time I actually made the decision, I didn't even go back to school. So that was the only reason why I'm not part of a, a sorority. So it's just like everybody walk is different, you know, but we just have to, you know, um, but a lot of people join now because of the prestige of it. It's not mm-hmm. even it's mm-hmm. not even about what it stands for. They're not even looking at what it stands for. Mm-hmm. But just to say that they're a mason is what mm-hmm. they're looking for and not and not looking at the at the you know, what the organization is about. I'm not saying that they don't do good things. And like I was telling him, I said, um, like you were saying, on the ground floor, the you know, the lower, the lower floor of, of masonry, I'm not saying that they don't do good things. But on the top floor is where they're saying, you know, as you go further and further into it, they reveal more things about what they're about. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, are you willing to go that mm-hmm. far, you know, and I was mm-hmm. talking, and we were talking about we went from that to compromising, and I said because a lot of times when you get into something so deep, you you're willing to compromise, mm-hmm. and he was like, well, you know, yeah, and so he was like, no, I, you know, I said look at it, I said there's there's different things that people have done for success, and because they've gotten into situations that they don't know how to get out of. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to compromise. And once you compromise once, they got you. <laughs> you yeah. know? I mean, and that's oh, like yeah. that's oh, like yeah. in any relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, even you know, regular like man women relationships, your friends or whatever. You know, you may say, "Oh, I would never do that for a man," until you do. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then then you're kind of like stuck. It's like, "Oh, I, I didn't think I'd ever do that." And once you do it once, then you know, you'll do it again. Um, mm-hmm. When you talk about, you know, like not knowing, you know, like what they do. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, I I had kind of heard that um, that the, the the fraternities and sororities were were an offshoot um, of the the Masons and the Eastern Stars, mm-hmm. but I guess I look at it differently because with the fraternities and the sororities, I mean, okay, they have their secrets as far as like their initiation of how you become a part of the organization mm-hmm. but they're mm-hmm. they're way more visible you mm-hmm. know um, yeah you know True. what do the the masons and the eastern stars do you don't really um you know hear about them i'm not saying that they don't do anything but you don't hear about what they do in the exactly. community or you know or anything like that and then if someone is a mason or eastern star if you start questioning them they get real quiet or they change the topic oh, yeah. or you know whatever yeah, they, they do not yeah they do not talk about their organization and see to me that that's way more secretive mm-hmm. you know you know cuz i was always interested um in in delta and you know but you can see like what they do in the community you right. know um, I'm gonna forgive and, y'all about all this Delta talk too, but go ahead. 
<laughs> we forget you about the AKA talk. Come on, now work with us, sister. Um, All right, I guess, I guess. <laughs> but um, so you can, but you can talk to people, and you know, you can ask, you know, what does your organization do, and you know, and so on yeah. and so, and and they'll tell you that stuff. They're not going to tell you about the initiation, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. But tell you about what it is that they do, what they stand for you know, and that type of thing. And, and then, when you know, you go to the different, um, like the rushes, and, you know, and you can talk to, to different women and get a feel for them. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a feel for them at that school because sometimes at different schools the feel is different. But, right. um, you know, you can, you know, get a feel for them. And if you're really interested, then, you know, you could go to a grad chapter event and, See them on a, you know, once they come out of out of college and all, of, you know, the, the childishness, you know, how are they as adults, you know, and mm. and are they about the business? See, I was introduced to Delta through grad chapter because my best friend's mom was an active Delta, and so mm-hmm. I got introduced to them at that level before I even got to college, um, you know. So you, but you can you can do that type of research and and homework or whatever and get a feel for an organization that you might be comfortable with, but you don't get to do that with with the Masons and the Eastern Stars. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think it's more along the lines of you're selected by them more so than you know, like with the sorority. Yes. You know, you go to a rush yes. and be like, oh, okay, you this can't is even be. You have to be um, married. I know to be an Eastern star, you have to be married to a Mason or your father has to be a Mason or your brother. Mm. You have to be invited in either, yep, either married to one or your daddy <laughs> or your brother. Wow. I have a friend who's a pastor um, who is an is a Eastern star. But that part I didn't know. So I and she's not married at all. She's never been married. So I don't mm-hmm. know if 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 uh, if it's the father brother, um, mm-hmm. you know, relationship or mm-hmm. or not. Like I said, because they don't talk about anything. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I remember um, right right before I graduated from Chicago State, uh, when I was getting my education master's, the lady who worked at the like the bursar's office. Mhm. She um. She was um. She she's an Eastern Star, and I remember going up there. And she had a necklace on, and she was commuting to NIU here, I guess, to get her doctorate. She was in that program. I think she was finishing up. She had her necklace on, but it was so pretty. It was just a beautiful necklace, and mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, ma'am, your 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 necklace is so beautiful." And she just kind of looked at me. I was like, all I said was that it was pretty. Yeah, okay. And at the time, you know, and, and at the time, um, she, uh, well, she, I said, because at that time, um, I was told that my grandmother was an Eastern Star, which I don't think is true. But I said, you know, I'm going to let you guys I said, oh, I said, my grandmother, um, I was told that my grandmother was an Eastern Star before she passed. And um, I said, and um and I said, you know, I somebody, you know, was asking me if I was gonna, you know, follow in the footsteps or whatever. I said, I don't know, you know, because she was just talking, making small. She said, Oh no, we don't do that. Oh no, oh. we don't do that. You have to be like this kind of. And I was like, Okay. I said, Well, you have a great day. Give me my check. 
<laughs> and you you have a great day. It was just the, the response, and I'm just like, but what's really interesting about all of this stuff, and this is this is wow, just having been Greek and you know and all of that. And what's really interesting about a lot of this stuff is that black folks, and I'm I'm gonna take it there because I, I, it's true. Um, you know, black folks, we really even that kind of stuff, the masonry and all of the and the the Greeks, we we use that as like you know this exclusionary thing, like we're better than other black mm-hmm. people because yep. we know we know the white folks ain't gonna never see us as better than they're never gonna really accept us. It's never gonna happen. So in mm-hmm. order for us to get some type of what we think is self-respect or position, we go into these secret societies really thinking that we really know what's going on and that we really are a part. And the bottom line is we will never really be a part. And so mm-hmm. that's why we, we use it as leverage against one another. Mm-hmm. You know, but but it's it's not, no, you you really, you will not, even as a, a, and I like I said, I don't know nothing about that, but what I do know is the way the world in general works. And I know that you'll never really, you might know some stuff, and I don't doubt that, and I don't doubt the brotherhood. I don't know nothing about what they, you know, I ain't saying nothing against that, but there's going to be a certain level that you will never get past. Exactly. Just not, because you will never be seen as an equal. Exactly. Yeah. Not, not when every president is a Mason. Not mm-hmm. when the, the Rockefellers are not, oh, yes, you have to be a Mason. Yes. This, they're not playing. Like Mm-mm. heads of state, um, all those people, president, that stuff is for real. And you and they better not talk because mm-hmm. they, will rip, they will cut your tongue out of your mouth. They See, we play. They not playing. Not at all. Because they're talking about money. This is money and power. These are the people who run the entire world, things that we couldn't even conceptualize because and money that we couldn't even conceptualize, power, you know, starting wars just so they can get paid. All this, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And so, that's how know, deep it goes. It's super deep. But can I tell y'all something? I'm a punk, and I don't even want to know. I'm still <laughs> trying to get this speaking in tongues thing together. I don't okay. want to know nothing about that stuff. No, thank you. I will stay in it. I will remain a pi. Thank me and Jesus for my little pink Bible. I'm good. And actually, that that makes a lot of sense because um, if you look at um, Obama's rise, that was orchestrated. Mm. That was we got to stop it right there. <laughs> if you just say, you know, I and I knew that it was orchestrated. I just didn't, and I knew, you know, it was the powers that be that yeah. did it because it couldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah. Um, but I never. Um, attributed it to, you know, like to, to the Masons, although a friend of mine, she did tell me that, you know, like you do not mess with the Mason, you know, no. um, because they will, they'll, take, they'll take care of it themselves. They, I, I, and I've heard this story like maybe 10 years ago, probably even longer than that. And this is what I knew because I had been looking at my, I had been looking at, you know, the org, I hadn't been looking at it, but I was curious. And I don't know if my dad told me this story or a friend of mine, whoever told me the story, I was I was so outdone because I guess 
they have decals that they put on their cars. Yes, they do. They do. And so there's a secret handshake or hand signals for mm-hmm. the certain levels. And mm-hmm. yes. And I guess this man had uh he put he had the wrong decal on his car that made him higher than what he was because another Mason and basically it's like a little gang, a little cult, if you will, because another Mason approached him and questioned him having the decal in his car. Mm. And from the understanding that the individual had when they saw this exchange, there was a certain hand signals or whatever that you're supposed to be able to do at this level. And the guy didn't know it. And that's the one that, I guess I'm going to say challenged, I don't know if that's the correct word, but challenged his level. Um, That's the correct word. That's yeah. exactly what it's called. When he challenged his level and he didn't get the hair signals right, he took his car. He took his like, car. He, he took his car. Whoa. He took his car. And I said, are you sure he took, he took the whole not car. Not the decal, but he took the whole vehicle. He what took the whole vehicle. And I said, are you sure? I said, maybe. I said, maybe he, he was, he was like, no, he took the whole car. And left the man yeah, standing how, there. That's what they do. That's the kind of power, though, that they yeah. that they have. They can do that. It's, it's wild. Because I don't know. 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 I don't I don't know. What does Rush is? I don't even know the baby's name. Um, you, like I, like I said, I don't know. I've never seen it, but I know people who've done a lot of research into that. And mm-hmm. um, it's the things that you have to do, man, it ain't nothing like, you know, pledging undergrad and, you know, black grease and they how you're running and doing stupid stuff and just dumb stuff. It ain't that. The things that you have to do, mm-hmm. you, they got you. They I'll stay sure. with Christ. I'll stay with Christ. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I stay with God. God is, God is, God is good enough for me. Thank you. Can I say something? Yes, sir. Well, he came out of nowhere. Lord have mercy. I did not know him. Uh, I did not know him. He came out like Barry White. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I haven't been on too long, so I don't know the full gist of what you're talking about. But um, I'm a Mason, and I uh, pledged, like, my last year of college. Um. The thing is, majority, like on that first level, you got a lot of Christians who are Mason, okay? And on the first level, you know, they're really not much into all the other stuff, but I didn't really realize that, realize what we were doing until a couple of years ago. And all uh, honesty, you, you you really are introduced to paganism, Um because they have you doing certain rituals that, and since we understand doors and stuff like that, 
they have you doing certain rituals and things that begin the process of letting demonic entities into your life. Majority of Masons, they are unaware. I'm talking about on the first level. You know, on the first level, they're unaware. Like I said, you got a lot of Masons who are Christians. But that's where they go. But if you if you continue to go higher, and I've never been higher, and I don't even need to know. I never even mm-hmm. had a desire to do it. But just from what I like I said, just recently because of all that we've been learning within the last two or three years, I look back on that like, oh yeah, that was opening up doors. So like on that first level, they're opening up doors. Cause they have you doing. I'm, I'm, I don't have to get into what we did, but they have us opening up doors. Let's open up. That first level, and so as you go higher, then yeah, you start opening up again. That's you know they don't uh, they're really not aware that they're straight up Satanism, but that's what they're doing. Wow. So right, and that's that's what I was told too, and I didn't know that about you. That's new all these years. I never knew that, but that's what I was told too. Like um. Felicia, like what you were saying about the the individual at your church, who mm-hmm. I guess you know denounced it or whatever words you want to use. I've heard that too. You know, saying okay, you know, like just like being Greek, like you don't know it's all it's just this thing, right? And you don't really understand. I mean, you kind of understand the concept, but you know, when you're young at nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, so you really don't. It's, you you looking at it from oh, you know this. You know, this is prestigious. You know, I'm I have prestige and I'm part of this group and you know, it's a sense of belonging and it's something different mm-hmm. from everybody else and I'm set apart and you really don't you really don't realize the fullness of it because you you know, you're just in a, at the ground level. Right. And that's the and that's the and that's the thing though, that gets everybody, especially especially the younger people because it's all about belonging, and God has always wanted us to have a belonging, uh, you know, to be associated with each other where we're a family. And, you know, being in a sorority, being in a fraternity and, and wherever, it's just like that whole, even in a, not associating the trying not to, but it kind of does, but even with games, it's like it's all about mm-hmm. wanting to feel that, family bond outside of your regular family because, you know, you're away at school or whatever. You're just like, okay, I want to I feel a part of something. And that, that is innate. That's in us from the beginning. Like, he wanted us to be where we are watching out for each other. We're our brother and sister's keeper, you know, and the, and the fraternities and the sororities and stuff like that. It gives you that bond. You know, but it's it's it goes so much. You know, like you know, even with with, with um, you know, with Sam interjected, it's just like you don't know exactly what kind of bond you're creating. You know, because you're looking at the surface of it until you get further into it. It's like, uh, you know, is it worth it? Is it this? Is it that? And you just don't know until you you know the thing you're so you've gotten so used to the people and you're loving the 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 um the ties that you have created. Now you got to figure out: Do I want to break those ties or keep those ties? And it's just it's mm. 
we get to be, and, and, and it's a bad, it's not, it's, and you go in it for the right reasons, but then you stay in it for the wrong reasons, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, and that's with any relationship, not just with the sororities and stuff, but that's with any relationships. It's like you go in it for the right reasons and you try to work it out for the right reasons, but then you stay for the wrong reasons because you know it's not good for you. <clears throat> you know it's not good for you, but you still stay because you're comfortable or because, you know, you don't want to feel like you are giving up or that you're a failure or whatever. And it's just like, even even when God tells us to let stuff go, we still hold on to it, thinking that if I pray harder, if I do more, it's going to change. Even after God has said let it go, we're still thinking, well, if I pray a little bit harder, he's he, you know, he could change this around. And that's even, you know, even with the masonry, because, you know, you have, you have, you know, and with, you know, with sororities and stuff, people will look at it and they start seeing it for what it is, but then they're like, well, God understands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but, it's, but the thing is, again, he looks at the heart of man. So if he looks at your heart and he understands where you are, there's nothing that nobody else can say. If you if yeah. you and God are on that level where you know that He has no problem with it, and that's and that's where you know we as Christians get it wrong because we look at the situation and be like, oh, you shouldn't do that. I can't tell you what you can and cannot do because, like Sam teaches, is teaching us the spirit, soul, and body. God looks at all three levels. And he's the one that we're supposed to go to. And he'll tell us, okay, that situation is a good thing for you, a bad thing for you, leave it, let it go, keep it, you know, or whatever. So, yeah, well, that's a really interesting point you brought. Because, the you know, like I said, the pastor in our church is the same one. The, the our co you assistant know, pastor is alpha. I mean, you know, the um, three, three of the six associate ministers or deltas, um, pastor's wife is to say that you know, so it's it's all of, and we just recently, actually two weeks ago, had that conversation um, about that about whether uh, Christianity and being in secret societies can coexist. Um, and and wow. you know, the pastor just said, you know, and and he said a lot of the rituals, at least for them, um, are Christian, you know, based. You know the, the oath that they have to take include God and you know things like that. So that was that was his, you know that was his defense of it. Like, you know I'm out here, you know if you're out here doing the kingdom work, then that's what makes it. Like you know the, like I said the the origins of of Greek of Greekdom of Black Greekdom and they are Masonic. They they are Masonic, but um, you know that level. That level um, mm-hmm. where it's, it, you know, whatever is, I don't know if we, many will reach that. <laughs> I don't know. But um, it's, it's, it's something. It's definitely something. But, you know, people have, I, I, I have been told that, um, you know, that masonry is paganism. And it is Satanism because I know that, you know, even for me, I remember, and, and as a you know, younger probably, you know what, 
I remember I had a, a decal on the back of my car, an AKA decal on the back of my car, and it was a five-pointed star, and it said AKA in the middle. It was round or whatever. And I remember somebody saying, do you realize that that's a, um, a symbol of Satanism on, on your car? And I was like, what? Like, I ain't no... No, I know I wasn't going to church, but I ain't no Satanist bag. You know, I'm like, man, don't be, don't be like that. Just, I know I ain't been to the meeting house in a few, but dang. You know, and they're like, no, look at the one, two, three, the five point, and start go okay, start talking, talking about yourself. That's my, I was like, what? But you know the like thing about it? For me to understand. I didn't understand. I said the thing about it, though, um, again, since I've been online, it's so much paganism, symbolism, and everything, even even on our money. So it's, you can't get away from it. Our company's right. got paganism signs. Right. <laughs> exactly. You, you can't right. get away from right. it, not right. Yeah, there's, and that's there's what no I was way saying around too, Sam, I don't know if you were on the on the call earlier when I was saying, um, I don't know if you ain't got on yet, and I was saying that we have to understand that, you know, masonry at the, at the ground entry level is, is, is nothing like the highest level, nothing. It's, oh, no. it's, it's not even the same thing because, you know what I'm saying, all the presidents are masons, the Rockefellers, the Rockefellers, all of that's all made that kind of power and money. We will never even conceptualize and we'll never see it. You yeah. know, that's, that's the real stuff, and that's why it's on the money and it's on the this, it's on the that, because it really is uh, world domination, Illuminati, you know, kind of stuff. This, this ground level stuff is just, you know, and this is a profession, so yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. I said, and the thing about it is, if you understand deception, that's what deception does. I can say because I, again, only because I know what I did, and there's nothing, nothing like you know going through you know pledging. The the symbolism is totally different, but only because I understand now. You know, it's an introduction, and that's what Satan does. Or like you said, it's a fine, it's an organization, it's a group. Yeah, uh-huh, come on in. But, of course, everybody wants to go up to the next level. And just based on what I did then and understand, that, oh, yeah, it was doors that were being opened, and I, you know, <laughs> yeah. 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 But, God, what God. Um, all right. Well, that kind of really ties into Deception. Deception abounds even from the beginning. I mean, deception has always been the key of everything that has happened over the course of recorded history up until now. So um, if one of you ladies could pray the Bible study again. Um, I don't know who all is on the call, so I apologize ahead of time that we're off to, we're, you know, off schedule, but that was an interesting conversation about mm-hmm. that because a lot of people, you know, they, they've they heard of it. They probably have never even considered it, but that last statement that you said, Sam, kind of like really puts it all into a big summary. Everything has some kind of masonry um, and paganism attached to it. You know, there's no way around it. I mean, um, I had I had a, a person post on Facebook. Show me a company, or show me a company or a product that is not associated with anything pagan or in that realm, and I'll show you someone who only, you know, 
can drink water from the tap and breathe air, and that's it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought that was kind of, you know, that only air and water, that's it. There's no food. Food, everything is all attached to something or someone that deals with those two realms. And so there's, there's, there's no way around it. But you know. you know what's really interesting is people's perspective too, and I didn't know this until, of course, engaging and uh, being privy to conversations as an adult, that a lot of people see the Bible, believe it or not, as paganism. You know, I've heard them say, like, all the blood that goes, it's like it's, it's bloody, it's murdering, and it's killing, and it's prostitute. I mean, just, like, it's all there. Like, that book is, is, is like the embodiment of all, just all the perversion of the world. You know, yeah. so, um, you know, like I said, I've heard that. So it's just interesting the way people perceive things. Like, like everybody has their own perception of, of everything. Right. You know, and how they see it. So, you know, the, that's what the atheists and, and Nazis and people like that think about the Bible, you know, certain people who are anti-religion. You know, all of, all of that stuff, you know, because the truth of the matter is none of us really know what goes on behind the scenes. There's always something that goes on behind the scenes. There's always that 20% of knowledge that, or 20% of information that we don't have even when we think we know all the information. Lisa, can you start us off in prayer, please? Ma'am? Hmm? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Did you say my name? Yes, ma'am. Can you start us off in prayer? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Hey, yes. All right. Father God, we come before you this morning on this beautiful, blessed day. We We just thank you for arising this morning. We thank you for fellowship. We thank you for the opportunity for us to yet again get together and share and discuss uh, your word to care and to share with one another, to pray together, to learn together. We just thank you that we all have the strength to get up and do this. We thank you that once again we've been obedient to forsake not the assembly of ourselves, We just thank you for your word. We thank you for direction. We thank you for guidance. We thank you for speaking life into us, oh God. And we just pray that this day something is said, something is done, something is released, something is imparted, something is revealed that will help us to move uh, further in your purpose and to help us to see, to get a clearer vision of what it is that you will have for us as your people to know and for us as your people to do. And we just ask that you just cover the sister who's going to be leading the Bible study this morning, who's going to be leading and facilitating the call. We ask that you just guide her spirit, that you just set down in her what it is that you will have for her to what it is you will have for her to do in the course that you will have for her to go in. If the course is to deviate at any time, that you just guide, you just guide her spirit, that you just give her the words to say that are your words. And we just ask 
for the rest of us that you just open up our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we can take in what it is that we're supposed to take in both as a collective and as an individual. We know that you sit high and that you look low, and we just ask that you, uh, we just ask your favor upon this Bible study this morning. We just thank you for another opportunity this morning, and we just thank and we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. Um, we will be um, starting in Genesis 12, chapter 12, starting at verse 10. And um, and it says that there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold, now, I know that you are a fair woman to look upon. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake. And my my soul shall live because of you. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. Now, I was when I when I read this before, I was just like, okay, they are actually when they go into Egypt. Abraham is 75 years old. And he has not only his people, he has lots of people and a whole bunch of um, other people going in to Egypt with him. So it's not like it's just him and his wife going in. It's him, his wife, his nephew, and a whole bunch of people going into Egypt. And he's going in already in fear. He's going in in fear. And it's just like he knew God was with him because God had told him, um, you know, at the beginning of the chapter to get out of his land and out of his people and, you know, from among his people in his country. So he knew God was walking with him. But he's going into this new land fearful, even in spite of all of that, just because of the beauty of his wife. So because of fear of his own life, because he tells her right here, he says, they'll kill me, but they'll save you. So I need you to lie about it, lie about what our relationship is. And it's like what fear does, it causes a lot of people to be deceptive. And we were talking about that, fear of the unknown, fear of, you know, of punishment, fear of judgment. And so in that fear, you know, people have a tendency to 
to lie to make themselves look better or to make someone else, you know, cast negative light on other people. And in this case, you know, he was telling his wife, now, why would you have your wife lie that she, you know, that's that's like saying, you know, I'm, you know, it, even today, how would we feel as women today if we're walking with our husband down the street and our husband tells us, you know, okay, you see these dudes? Okay, uh, I know they're going to think you're cute. So instead of you looking like my wife, we're going to walk side by side like you're my sister instead. And it's like, is there shame in you're you're not willing to live for me. You're not willing to fight for me. You'd rather me lie. That's that's pretty much how I felt when I read that passage. Like he wasn't. It felt like he was ashamed of her beauty. You know, you know, and scared, so scared about his own life that he didn't care how she would feel about him distancing himself from her putting her from wife to sister. So now there's no there's no kind of relationship between them. And then I, I thought about it and the I was I was looking at it in the spiritual context. Is that how we are with our relationship with God and with Christ? Like when we are alone in our house, we're like, oh yes, I'm you know, I'm the bride of Christ and Ooh, God is my, you know, he's my pilot and I'm the co-pilot and everything is cool. But then when we're faced with someone who won't understand the relationship, he goes from he's my pilot to he's my backseat driver or, you know, God is not really, you know, he, we're, we're okay, but I'm still my own person when it comes to dealing with our conversations with people, and basically that's that's the that's the 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 spiritual side of this whole thing. Like you're willing to not associate yourself with God for fear of persecution, for fear of judgment, and she is willing to do it, and God is willing to do it as well. God is willing to take the back seat if that's where you put him. Because like Sam says all the time, God is a gentleman. Wherever you put, wherever status you give him, that's where he'll go until you say otherwise. And so what happens is, um, therefore, it shall come to pass, and it says, this is his wife, uh, and it says, go into 14, and it says, and it came to pass, that when Abel was coming to Egypt, the Egypt beheld the woman that she was very fair. So now she was just the woman and not his wife. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And so she was just that beautiful that not only did she, you know, get the eye of the regular people, she got the eye of the princes who then went, and told the Pharaoh about this great woman who's just so beautiful. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And so, and he entreated Abram well for her sake. 
and he had sheep and oxen, and he asses and men servants and maid servants, and she asses and camels. So because of Sarai, Abraham received all of this stuff, and he received the stuff based on his deception, that this is my sister, not my wife. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh, and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why didst thou, why said thou, she was, she is my sister, so I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. And so even in the midst of the deception that Abram created, he was blessed. But because of his deception, the Pharaoh was plagued, his house and everything, with great plagues because of his deception. And how many times have the leaders of a church, you know, even though they receive many blessings, how many people have they, you know, they they given a false sense of the relationship they have with God? They give the false sense of what the, a relationship with God is. And instead of saying that God is in control, they say God is a genie. Or, you know, basically they put God as this genie or God is this, just is a symbol and that everything else is about you. And how many houses have been plagued because of the deception that they have perpetrated. And it's just like, and it takes someone willing to look at it and say, you know what, how can you say, but unfortunately the people these days don't go this far, but Pharaoh got it. He was like, wait a minute, I'm getting plagued. Why did you say she was just your sister when you knew she was your wife? And that's, and that's how it is now. How can you say that there is no God? How can you tell me that God doesn't judge? How can you tell me God doesn't, you know, doesn't look at what I'm doing and judge me when I'm going through all of this? So is he a judge or not? Is he, is he a healer or not? What is, what is the true title of this, this God that you're telling me? What is he supposed to be? And the thing is, it wasn't until they, the Pharaoh kicked Abram and his wife out and knew what the, what the true title of her, of Sarah was, no, finding out that she was wife and not sister and sending him on his way. Not until then was he able to get back to, you know, all the plagues and everything left. Until he got that understanding, he would have still been under plague. He would have still been under curse and everything because of a deception that wasn't even his, you know, that wasn't even his. So it's like, what happens to us as believers when we don't, when we don't give the true um, 
title, we don't give the true relationship of God to those that we talk to. What is what happens to those people? And we don't and we don't even think of the consequences. Ministers don't think of the consequences when they when they don't preach about sin. You know, all they show is God is love. And that's basically this this here, you know, the same in, in you know, comparing this story to what they're doing now. They only give they give the wrong title so that they can save their lives. Let me, like, basically are saying, God, you know what? Let me call you mm, a friend. Not Savior. I'm going to call you a friend that just loves unconditionally. And that's all I'm going to say. Unconditional love. That's what you do. And in that deception, people are coming and, and looking at him like, wow, he's a friend and he shows unconditional love with no judgment. This is what I love. This is what I need. You know, and then they come and they bring him into his into their house and they're still doing their own thing and they're still acting their own way. And then they're wondering, why am I not getting blessed? You know, why is everything still falling apart? Why am I still, you know, why are the kids going crazy? And I accepted this unconditional loving friend into my house and nothing's changed. And everything is just going to the dogs. What is going on? And then they go back to the minister and they're saying, you said he was an unconditional. You said he was an unconditional friend. He would love me unconditionally as a friend and not judge me. So why am I going through this? What have you done? And so just like with Pharaoh, he kicks them out. The person who gave them the deception plus the object of the deception kicks them out of his land and tells them to go their way. And that's what happens with the minister. They kick the minister out and they kick God out because it's not, it was not, it was not given to them in honesty. The deception ruined the whole relationship. And it says in Proverbs 21 and 1, in Proverbs 21 and 1, it says, um, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he runs it with with whether soever he will, and every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the heart. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And so the thing is, when we, the king's heart is is all of us. All of us have a heart that God can turn. Either way, even rulers. But the thing is, if we're not given the correct information, if we're not given the correct information, if we don't give the correct information, we as the messenger and God is kicked out of the house. We're kicked out of the relationship. We're kicked out of, you know, that person no longer wants to hear who God is and what God is about. And so, 
we're going to hear about Egypt further into, you know, into Genesis. And this is just, this is the seed that was planted, deception, you know, as far as what the people of Abraham are good for, deception. So we're going to remember this story. Um, then going into uh, chapter 13 of Genesis. Before we do okay, that, I have are, a are there any questions? Yeah. I have a question. Um, going back to to the uh, deception, when he um, asked her to say that she was his sister instead of his wife because they would kill him, do you think that was like self-preservation on his part? Because he was 75, and I'm I'm going to to assume that she was probably much younger, that they would have um, killed him in order to to have her? The thing is, I don't, and that's the part that's, that's the part, that's a good question, because I believe, yes, it was, it was self-preservation. But the thing is, God was with him the whole way. God had already gave him a promise that he was going to be the father of many nations. So even if, even going into that, he had to know that God would not have said that and then let him go into a situation where he would get killed. Was was his name Abram or Abraham at that time? His name was Abram. That means God hadn't given that promise yet. Actually, yeah, he has given the promise already. And, yeah. and yeah, he says, now the Lord in, in chapter, at the beginning of chapter 12, verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And then he says in, in verse 3, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So he so he, already, he didn't change his name till later on. He had made the promise, and he changed his name later on. Yeah, because you know um, what happened was you know how we say he's it's, we're not denied. He is the the he gives he gives the promise here, but it was like another twenty four twenty five years before he even came back. And said because he was seventy five at the time of the promise, he didn't have he didn't um, God didn't come back to fulfill the promise until he was ninety nine. So okay. it's uh, like yeah. And and Sarah Sarah wasn't that much young. Sarah wasn't that she wasn't a lot younger than Abraham. She's yeah. only a- okay. So she was she was just a beautiful woman despite her age. Yes. Right. I mean, but that but it's getting back all to the promise of what God said because. That's why they were looking at you. Even though back then age is different than it is now, but that's another reason they were looking so beautiful because the blessing of God was upon them that, you know, longevity was there. Right. So basically he let his flesh take mm, yep, control. Mm-hmm. And that, and, and that what we are what we're always talking about. We have to come out of flesh. And that's and that's why he changed his name. A lot of times, when God changed the name, it's going from the flesh to the spirit. You know, okay, you basically an elevation because now you're no longer work, you're no longer walking here. 
you're walking here. So I have to change your name so it can address the difference between the two. Because I've noticed, um, you know, in, in my studies before, well, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I've noticed, like, between um, Israel and Jacob, he, when you when we go to studying um, Israel and Jacob, you see them going back and forth between the two names, where it goes from before it was actually a nation. Sometimes he would say Israel, and sometimes he would say Jacob, depending on the conversation and the actions that take place. So I thought that was really interesting, but um, I jumped ahead. I'm sorry. So jumping back <laughs> to um, chapter 13. And so it says, uh, And Abel went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and a lot with him into the south. And Abel was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And so, um, and he went into his journey from the south, even into Bethel, until the place where his tent had been at the beginning. So he went back to where he started, which was, you know, which was Bethel, in between Bethel and High, until the place of the altar which he made there at, at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And so he he went back and he, you know, now he's calling, and that's, and that's, and that's very that's a very key right there as well. Instead of him calling on God as he was going into Egypt for the famine, it's because I asked my daughter. I'm, this is my question for myself and my daughter a lot now. Before I make a decision, like is God telling me to do this or is this me doing it for myself? Because the thing was, as he was traveling. It's like, did God tell him to go into Egypt? He was already at his, he was already where he was supposed to be when he came into Canaan. And he gave him, and he he came to him, um, when you look at verse uh, 12 and 7, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Until thy seed I will give this land. And he even built an altar. And that's, that's where he was um he was at between Bethel and High, the cities of between on the east and the west. He he was in that area. And it says that there was a famine, but nowhere does it say that he addressed God in this famine. That he asked God what should he do in the midst of this famine. And and so and so he decided basically to go into Egypt. And now it says that he went, now after he went through all of this, you know, going into Egypt and, and, and you know, and dealing with the whole thing with the Pharaoh, now he goes back to where he saw God before. And, and, and he's inquiring what to do. And it's like, why don't we do that before? Before we go through our issues, before we go through certain situations, if we would have just asked God before, would we have dealt with everything that we dealt with? So it's just like we have to we have to be aware of you know some people say oh don't take all that you know there are certain people who go to God for everything 
And at first I thought it was crazy. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> I had an acquaintance who said, from the time that she gets up until the time she goes to bed, she's constantly asking God, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? So she said she'd wake up and ask him, what should she wear today? What should she eat today? Where You know, on the way to work, what route should she take today? You know, after she got to work, told you know, asked him, you know, how should she do the processes at work today? You know, what cases should she work? And then on the way home, she was like, I would ask her what, wait, before home, she would ask what should she eat for lunch? Then she would ask what should she fix for dinner? Then she would ask, how, you know, what route to take home? You know, should she watch TV or not? I mean, she would, like, do this whole ritual all day, every day. And when she told me this, I was just looking at her like, Okay. And I used to say, well, you're doing way too much. But then as you look at, like, you know, some of the things that God had, you know, the the Israelites to do, it makes sense. If we are going to him for every little thing, then we'll even go to him for the big things. And it's just like this was a big thing. It's, the famine was big, and now, you know, instead of, him asking God, hey, God, you know, I mean, God came down every time he came into his presence. So why didn't he ask God, you know, first of all, should I go to Egypt? Second of all, if I go, will you be there? Or he didn't ask him anything. But now he goes back to his first first thing, and he goes to the altar, and he calls on the name of the Lord. And Lot also went with Abraham. And and, um, and he had a whole bunch. He had flocks and herds, and and the land was not able to bear both of them together. And it was so bad that Abraham and Lot people were starting to fight. And but if we go back to how this all started, Lot was not supposed to be with Abraham anyway. It was only supposed to be Abraham, his wife, and his servant, and that was it. But Abraham decided to bring Lot. And as you can see, everything has an effect. How much more easier is it if we do exactly how God tells us to do something? How much more easier would it be if we were just, okay, if he tells us to do one, two, three, then we should do one, two, three. We shouldn't, and he even tells us in his word, don't take away and don't add. If we do exactly how he says it, then it works fine in our favor. But it seems like as even going through just the first 13 chapters, we see whenever we don't do it exactly as he tells us, we have to go through all this other stuff just to get back on track. And so um, Abraham, and, and Abraham and Lot's people were having issues together because they were together and they both had a lot of animals, they both had a lot of people. And so Abraham said to Lot, let's stop fighting. This is in verse 8. Let there be no strife. I pray thee between me and thee and between me and my hurtman and your hurtman, for we 
be brethren. If not the whole land before thee, separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If you will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right, then I will go left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all of the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. The Lot chose from him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot, so, and Lot journeyed east, and they departed the one from the other. And Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners. This is the first time I've heard sinners in the Old Testament. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And so even in the midst of even in the midst of this whole situation, Abraham is still trying to look out for Lot. You know, and he's still not actually, you know, he's still trying to fix something that shouldn't have even started. If he would have left Lot where he was when God told him to get thee from your kinsmen and from, you know, your country and everything, he would not, he might not have had to deal with Egypt. He would not have had to deal with trying to separate everything. Everything would have been him and God and his family just doing, you know, waiting on the promise of God. And so Lot chose the city, and Abraham was able to stay in the land of Canaan. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And that's basically just, you know, the whole reason why there was the flood, because the people were exceedingly wicked and, you know, and sinners before his eyes. And here it is once again, them being exceedingly wicked before the eyes of God. And so going to the second, make sure I got this right. Okay, that's, so, um, and so then in verse 14, and the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him. So the Lord didn't give any more direction until Abraham was where he was supposed to be, away from family and kindred, and it was just him. And he said, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward, eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. And who can number dust? So there you have it. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, 
which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So now God gave him the promise, and then he, because but he gave him stipulations in the promise. You have to get away from your kindred. You got to get away from the the land, and you have to get away from the country. He did the country. He, I'm sorry, your father's house, kindred, and country. He got away from the country. He got away from the father's house, but he kept his kindred close, which was Lot. And it wasn't until he got, I don't want to say got rid of Lot. It wasn't until he separated himself from Lot that God said again, this is my promise to you. Remember this promise. Remember what I'm telling you. And, and, that's, and that's the key throughout the whole Bible. What I, you know, as I, was, as I go through these, you know, the lessons and even looking at other scriptures, it's like he wants us to remember. If I promise you something, I'm just looking for you to, and I give you what you need to do to achieve that promise. I'm not forgetting everything I'm telling you. You're forgetting that you have to obey because obedience is better than sacrifice. Obey what I'm telling you to do, and the promise will be fulfilled. Maybe not in in the timing that you want, and that's what Sam was talking about yesterday. Maybe not in the timing that you want, but the promise is going to be fulfilled. You just have to you just have to continue to just obey the instructions that I give you, and and watch me do what I'm doing, you know, and just listen to my leading, and I will, you know, make the the promise come to pass. And so then going into verse 14, which should I stay on time? Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, in, I'm sorry, in chapter 14, um, there were the war of the kings. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't get the war of the kings. I, and I'm quite sure there is a reason. Um why God put the war of the kings here between verses uh, 14 and uh, 11. But I, can't, I cannot figure it out. I really couldn't. And because there's, there's, there, he talks about um, there's a war between um, the king of Shinar and, um, and other nations, and they made war with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and um, Bela and Zor. And there's these same names come up further in Genesis. So why there's a war, um, it, it stated that um, they were slaves for, they served um, the people of, of Sodom and Gomorrah and um Zor and Bela, they served the other kings for 12 years, and then they rebelled. So other than that, I'm not for sure exactly what the what the war was for, but as um, we go to verse um, 11, it says that the kings of Sodom and, I'm sorry, verse 10, it says that the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah they they ran from the war and and they were killed. And they that remained 
of the war. They fled to the mountains. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all of their victuals and went their way. So the kings of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah were that they they lost the war. And the other kings took all of the took all of the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and they went away. And they also took Lot, Abraham's brother, brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, and that's the first time we hear Hebrew, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshaw, and brother of Aner. And these were the the confederates for Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his house, 318. Now, they have all these, they have have this large army, but he only had 318 trained servants and pursued them unto Dan, and he divided himself against them. He and his servants by night and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is in the left of the left hand of Damascus, and he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. And so with just 300, that's how, and that's how the power of God is. He, wanted to, he, he gave an exact number of how many people Abraham had, Abram had in comparison to these other kings. They, there was like four, three or four kings that had took all of the people of, of Lot and all of their stuff, and only 318 people is what Abram had. And of that 318, he was able to take over and take back all that was taken, Lot, his people, his stuff, and, you know, and bring them back. With 318, that's what God can do. He can bring a little. He says, "You give me a little, I could do much with that." And he and he even showed that from you know from the beginning to the end. Because I mean, look at what Christ did. God with us. He took what two fish and five loaves of bread and fed five thousand men plus their you know their wives and their children and whoever else. So it's like God can do a lot with a little, but it's the faith that we have that that will hinder or, you know, that will hinder if he hinder him from helping us. It's our faith that has to be be activated. And so um and the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of I'm not going to try to say that word, Ched, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheba, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, I'm sorry, Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thy enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. 
This is the first time Melchizedek is even mentioned in the Bible, and he's never mentioned again until the New Testament. So Melchizedek is the king of peace because Salem, when you look at the the Hebrew, it comes out Shalom, which is peace. And um, and he and, and Abraham blesses him, and he gives him tithes of everything that he had, everything that that Abraham, you know, Abram. I mean, not say Abraham yet. Everything that Abram received from the um, the war, all the spoils, he gave tithes of it to Melchizedek. As the king of Sodom said unto Abram, "Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself." And Abraham and Abram said to the king of Sodom, "I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latch, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abraham rich." Abram Rich, and that's the, and that is <laughs> okay. Save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which went with me, Aner, Eshcol, and Mamre. Let them take their portion. And this is a, a very good turning point, and uh, that we have to remember. Abraham was the one who went out and won the war, not the king of Sodom. So usually, you know, the, the the spoils went to whoever won the war. But because Abram knew that God is the possessor of heaven and earth, and because he because he knew the heart of the king of Sodom, he says, I mean, and, and we have to think of that too. He says, I lift my hand to the Lord, the Most High God. But I will not take anything, not even the smallest thing that you can, you know, that I will not take anything that is yours. So anything that is yours, because you, I don't need you to hold that against me. I don't need you to say, well, because I was there, because I did that, you were, you know. He said, nothing, I will take nothing so that you can never say, I have made Abram rich. Because Abram knew that his richness came not from man, but from the Most High God. And that's how we are now. We sit and we, you know, we have to watch how people, and even how we give stuff, we have to watch the heart of people when they say they're giving us something. We have to watch the heart of ourselves when we're giving something. Why are you getting, you know, how many times have you had someone give you something or do something for you, and then they're always putting that out there? Well, oh, look at, you know, you feel, I feel like I had, I've had people where, you know, how you have, you have that friend, and you guys wear the same size, and you're exchanging clothes, and then you wear the outfit, and they're like, girl, you look good in the outfit I gave you. Don't you look good in the outfit I gave her? And it's just like, okay, they. I told you thank you when the, when you gave it to me. Why do you keep bringing it up? Or somebody who gives money 
or somebody who gives, you know, who who helped you redo your house or whatever, somebody who helped you redo a house, you know, and they're like, yeah, look at, you know, look at what I did for you, you know, and they're like constantly, look at what I did. Okay, I said thank you when you did it. Why do you have to keep bringing it up? And that's and that and that's where people have have a tendency to put a hold on you. Society does that now. People who are on, I'm not knocking anybody who does financial assistance through the government because at one time or another, yes, you might need to have that assistance. I'm not knocking that. Did it? Been there, done that. But the thing is, they throw that back in your face. Well, we, you know, look at what we've done. You couldn't have made it this far without us. You couldn't have had food on your table without me being there. You couldn't have done this. And it's just like, well, what about God? You know, you say God did it, and people have this, people are just like, oh, I'm so tired of hearing people say God did anything. God didn't do anything. And it's just like we forget that God is the possessor, which is what it's saying here. God is the possessor of heaven and of earth. So if he didn't if he didn't make sure that it was created through someone else's hands, it wouldn't have gotten here. So therefore, thank God for whatever. But you know, just like Abram said, if I take this from you, I don't need you to be saying, well, I was the one that helped him get to where he is. And we have a tendency to do that. That example shows, you know, in society today, in society today. Even, you know, looking at sports, the coaches, well, yeah, he's a good player, but if it wasn't for me pushing him, you know, no, I think it was him because he was the one that, you know, between him and God, he was the one that got up every morning and did the extra two hours of practice and, you know, and all this other stuff. I don't think it was you, you know. So that is, that is you know, a very key um, piece of scripture that we should, you know, make note of for ourselves. Um, does anybody have any questions or comments? Okay. So that being said, um, I'm going to stop it right there that we have to watch. We have to watch ourselves. And we have to remember that God is the possessor of heaven and earth. No matter what it looks like, God is the possessor of heaven and of earth. Not us ourselves. Um, if anyone has any special prayer requests or comment, criticism, um, wait a minute, I'm trying. Does it have to be about the lesson, or you mean in general? 
In general, what does it have to be about the left one? Is there something I wanted to um, share that was said at our meeting last night? Um, oh, Sam, are you still on the line? Yes. Sam, oh, Pam, that's Pam. Sam, are you still here too? Yeah, I'm here. Now, let me tell you all what, just is going to be real quick, but Sam, this is something that happened at our meeting last night that you said to me, and I had shared this with them at the meeting. Um, do you remember when, was it, no, and yeah, you got to remember because you mentioned it again, either last week or the tail end of the week before, you, I had, you asked me if there's anything in particular that I wanted prayer for, and I said I wanted you to pray to bind the hands of, of my enemies and, you know, the storms and, and halt the storms and all this old stuff, right? And you said, well, no, I'm not going to pray for that. Uh, what I will right, pray right, for right. is for you, for the, is not for the storm to stop, but for you to grow stronger and go through the storm because you need the storm to grow and all that. And I was like, girl, right? <laughs> yeah. So last night at the meeting, uh, my, well, I guess what will be the equivalent of a supervisor, you know, our team leader, was talking about how he had, he went to, because we are, you know, it just so happens that everybody in my in my business group they're all, like, we have two ministers, a deacon. So everybody is in the kingdom, everybody. It just happened to roll like that. Well, it don't just happen to roll like that. You know, every nothing just happens. But um, he was saying how he had gone to Las Vegas the weekend, for the weekend. I think he had left on Thursday or something. And he came back yesterday, and he had flown into O'Hare. And he had a great time at the event, you know, he brought back a lot of stuff to share with us, a lot of empowering things. I mean, it was just wonderful. Like, it was just wonderful. And he says he's on this natural high, and he gets off the, the plane and realizes he don't have his key to his car. So he drives, I think, in the Infinity, no, Alexis, and he doesn't have the key. And he realizes that some, somewhere he lost the key to his car, and because of the way his car is, it, it, you know, you just can't, like, remake the key. It's not like a regular door key. It has a computer chip, and all of this stuff has to go into remaking this key. And so, and that's $300, and, you know, he was saying, like, he would have to have the car told to the Lexus leadership, which is a uh, leadership. Uh, dealership was, like, another $400, and, then they would have to do something, something, something else, which is another thing. So he said, all in all, it's like $1,100, you know, because he lost his key. And he said for a second, he was like, oh, like, he, you know, the thrill is gone. you getting off the plane on this natural high. Everything went well and all. They was blessed. And this, this foolishness takes place. And now you're like, oh, man. And he said for a second, he was like, oh, no, but then, he just started praising God because he said, I mean, he's just um, thank God anyway. You know, thank God that I have the money to pay it. Thank God that the plane trip was safe. You know, everybody landed. 
thank God for this, thank God for that. And he said that he just started to praise God because he knew what the enemy was doing. You know, he mm-hmm. knew that because things had gone so well that the enemy was waiting, like waiting with a sucker punch. Like, no, and then you think you want to take this, you know, take this success to a group of God-fearing people too and help them to become successful? I don't think so, sir. You know, and, and so he started talking about um, he started talking about storms. And he said at first he was like, oh, no, why does this have to happen? Why this storm? And then he said, no, because storms are going to happen, and he needed that storm to keep him humble, and he needed that storm to remind him uh, of who God is and don't get so high that you forget who I am. You know, all this money you make and don't forget who I am and, you know, just different and to make it stronger. So he, and then he started talking about, and I'm going to read this, he said, because um, I texted this to myself, he said, you know, everybody, basically everybody wants to be a beast until it's time to do what beasts do. You know, if, you, if everybody wants to be the heavyweight champion and want to hold up the belt, but if you want to hold up the belt, you got to get in the ring. And then if you get in the ring, you got to expect some scars. So you have, you know, you have to fight. You have to fight. You know, the enemy doesn't sleep and neither can you. And he was just talking about how, you know, you need the battles. Don't, don't not get in the ring. Don't not go through the storms. Don't try to hide from or circumvent the storms. But go through the storms so that you can come out stronger. And so when he said that, I was just looking at him like, you've been talking to Sam. Like, I just, it was just crazy. Like, ugh, you know, <laughs> man. He's like, no, you don't pray to not go through the storms. You pray to get stronger as a result of the storms. You need to get in the ring. You need the storms. You need, I was like, man, man. And I knew he was right, but it just was interesting that he said that, you know, in uh, so close to the conversation and the prayer that we had. So I just wanted to share that, that I just got a double kidney shot. Thank y'all. God loves to confirm. God loves to confirm. Because you're probably questioning, (laughs) should I have that left of the storm? So he made sure that you knew with two witnesses, First it was Sam, and it was that minister letting you know, yeah, you got to go Man. through the door. I mean, he broke it down eloquently, like, whoa. I was like, okay, man, I see what you're saying. Bye. Very well, then. Very well. I just thought that was just so ironic. But you know what, though? But then you can't. We have to remember, though, even in the midst of the storm, he's in the boat, he's in the car, he's in, he's in, he's with us in the storm. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to remember. He's with us in the storm. And that's what we forget. We think that, you know, we think that we're going through the storm by ourselves, but he's actually there, you know. He's actually there. And if you remember that, the storm won't be so scary, you know. The storm won't be, the storm won't um, overrun us at all, you know. 
And that's the difference between us who believe in us and those who don't. You know, they see their storms and they think they got to do it all by themselves. Whereas with those of us who believe, it's just like we know that we're not doing it by ourselves. Yeah. We're not doing it by ourselves, not by a long shot, because not only do you have the Holy Spirit working with you, he will bring people of like faith, you know, that's in faith with you to to be your um, your signpost and be, you know, and be that, that, um, that oasis sometimes, you know, where you're able to go and talk to them, you know, and be able to rest from it for a minute in case you have to go a little bit further, you know. But we have yeah. to remember we're not doing it by ourselves. That's, 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 that's real key because I know that has always been um, an issue of mine. And Sam kind of, he called me out on it yesterday, and I had to, I had to laugh when he was praying for me, you know, when he said you have to be in control. Yeah, you know, but I have to remember yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's true. It's true. Because I can't, I don't like, this is how bad I am. I don't like driving with somebody unless I'm driving. Mm, I know people like that. I know a lot of people like that, actually. I'm, I mean, I can't. I mean, if I have to, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get in the passenger seat. But if I have, you know, if I have an actual choice, I'd rather just drive and you ride with me than the other way around. You know, because I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I do, but I, I just and I try to get out of that mode, but it's not easy. So you know. When Sam called me out and I was like, Wow, okay, Lord, just all right. <laughs> you know. It's, but I'm getting better. I am getting better. I just, you know, when it comes to following God, I'm getting better because I was even doing that with him, like I was grabbing his hand and dragging him trying to drag him behind me and that wasn't mm. working. So you know, like, okay, let's go. We're going to try and go this way. And, you know, and so this last, um, let's go on four months. No, it's four months. Mm-hmm. These last four months have been uh, uh, a learning to just hold his hand and let him direct how I go. So it's, it, it's hard. I, I commend Anybody who's doing this for a long time, you know, Sam, is, yeah, <laughs> it's it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. Mm-mm. Um, I. I Are you saying my name, my woman? Huh? I heard my name. What did you say about my name? All I said was I commend you for being obedient and following what God tells you to do. Uh, I've been doing this for four months. You've been doing this for years. And it's just like, you know, it's not easy. So, you know, I mean, you, you can say we about. 
Hmm? Ask Sam, what you feeling guilty about? <laughs> I just I was um kind of letting her out and looking at the trap, and I heard somebody say my name. That's all. Mhm. Oh, Shamal. We've been saying your name all morning. Well, uh, anyway, whenever y'all could, you all pray for my child. It's her mother's birthday today, so she ain't feeling it. Oh, okay. All right. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for our mother, those who are here and those who have gone on, Father. But this day we're praying for for Morgan Farley because today is a day of remembering the birth of her mom, a day that would have usually been a day of celebration of you know, of of presence and and joy and singing. But today is with the heavy heart that she acknowledges the birth of her mother because her mother has gone on. And so, Father, we're praying right now that you will give her strength in her spirit, in her body, in her mind. We ask that you will give her peace, O oh Lord, that only you can give in this time as of remembering all that is, is being missed. But, Lord, help her to remember the good times. Help her to find uh, a, a memory that will give her um, a joy back on the things of her mom so that she can go through this day thinking on all the stuff that, you know, all the stuff that, has been done instead of the stuff that has been missed. And, Lord, we just thank you that you will give her peace in her spirit. We thank you for the peace right now as it, as, it, as you give her uh, a warm hug in the spirit realm, oh, Lord. Let her feel it as she's going to school on the bus. You know, let her feel it, oh, God, just that warm blanket of your peace to come upon her right now. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. 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 Um, are there any other uh, comments, questions, prayer requests? I got one comment on the lesson. Um, you talking about, you know, when you're talking about Abraham going into there and how he changed. And I mean, I really, you know, back back in the times and all the different stuff, you know, about I'm not getting into why he did it, but um, he also set up, not only did Abraham do it, his son did it, and his son did it. <laughs> Remember Rebecca and Rebecca and mm-hmm. um, Israel. So it's like he set up a he set up a what well, we talk about generational curses, but he set that whole thing up, and they all did the same thing. And the bloodline, yeah. But that's why that's why I was trying to go bloodline right. Yeah. And that's something. And that's and oh my gosh, yeah, that's something. And and you know then it because. I was gonna, I had, cause I wanted to comment yesterday, but my um, 
my son was in the car when we were talking about the bloodline and, and things that are traditions and, and and things that are said that we don't think affect each other. And because um, my dad had told me, like when I was like sixteen, we had a we had an altercation, and. It wasn't a fight. It was pretty much an argument. Cause my dad was a my dad was a my dad was a jerk. He was he was a jerk. I love him. I love him, but he was not. Um, he wasn't right. And because he felt guilty, you know, um, because he felt guilty, he just thought that everyone should fall in line with however he, you know, however he felt, you know. And um, one of the things, you know, the thing that always stands out for me, and when you said it yesterday, I was just, it, it clicked. Two things that my dad always, always kept saying to me that made me feel like um, I didn't have my own, I couldn't think for myself, and um that I would never be loved by anybody. Those are the things that he spoke over me on several occasions. And so when you said it yesterday about, you know, things that happen when you're younger and you don't, you know, you kind of cast it off or whatever, that those two things always come to me when I'm dealing with new people in new situations, like, you know, I don't have my own thought, and I don't have my, you know, and nobody will ever like me. So those two things always made me not do my best mm-hmm. after, and so, and it also made me not associate with my myself with people a lot. I will cut and run before I will let anybody else cut and run. So if you know dealing with relationships, having friends or boyfriends or whatever, I would always be the first to go so that they wouldn't leave. They couldn't leave. That sounds familiar to me. You know, yeah, and so it's just like, you know, and so even, you know, in, in, in the midst of, you know, working, and that's in, when you said I had to, when you said yesterday that this this whole thing with Uber and, and stuff, and I told you, I bet you it was a confirmation, which it was because God is showing me that I, and even doing these studies, like, whenever I wanted to give my opinion, whatever I wanted to say how I felt, my dad was always like, oh, you sounded like your mother. Oh, you sound like your sister. You need to not, you know, you need to just basically be quiet. And so for years, that's what I've done. That's what I did. I didn't voice my opinion. I just kind of let everything ride. And so now doing, you know, being on the call and doing these studies these last couple of weeks, it's like I'm getting my stride back and I'm getting the understanding that you can break a cycle. It just now, um, what Pam was saying um, yesterday, that it takes 13 weeks, I'm in, I'm almost there. <laughs> I'm in my 13th week. So, 
I was doing it and I didn't even know it. Praise God. So <laughs> that one new thing, you know, that one new thing. So it's a process. It's a process. And routines can be broken and mindsets can be changed, but only with your relationship with God. Only through that. Only through that will it last anyway. Let me, ask, let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. So since you brought it up, so can you compare Abraham or Abram uh, his journey with the whole thing with Sarah, you know, still not trusting God and going in that direction but not fully convinced to that with you driving an Uber? Oh, no. I can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> I just you brought it up now. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. You know what? Because one, I had told my daughter because I was I was so excited to do Uber. I was like, I'm gonna go out every day and I'm gonna minister to people and I'm gonna do X, Y, Z, and this and that. And so. um one day I went out, and I kept getting men, not just one. I was getting groups of men in my car, and I wasn't feeling that. I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't. It was making me itch. I was so, like, <laughs> you know, like, just fearful. But, Understandable. You know, yeah, but then it's like now, you know, since Sam had to bring it up, but knowing that, you know, I had to keep telling myself, well, God told me Uber is what he wants me to do at this point. So if, okay. he are, if he's already said do it, then who am I to say I'm afraid of it? He wouldn't. God doesn't put us in situations for us to get hurt. He doesn't do that, you know. And so I'm like, he wouldn't put me in a situation knowing I'm going to get killed, you know. But I have to be so in tune with him that he tells me, okay, today, don't drive today. Today's not a good day. But he'll tell me to drive tomorrow, that type thing. So I've been, you know, I've been listening, you know, on that score. Because I, I don't know if I told you guys or not, but, like, and I think I did, but I, that's, what, that's why I know I'm trying to stay more in tune with the spirit because I needed to get the tax for my car. And he gave me just enough passengers, which you know, and I was I got the exact amount that I needed to get the tickets for my car, and it was just like that, you know. I said, you know, I was like, Lord, I said, I need you to direct where I drive, so and you know, direct what customers I get because I need X amount of dollars, and I need to be done by this time. And sure enough, I got just the amount of customers I needed and was done by the time that I needed to be done. And it was all by making sure that I was listening to him, you know. So it's, 
Yeah, it's a process. <laughs> I'm still working on it, Sam. I'm still working on it, Lord. You know, but it gets easier. It does get easier. It does get easier. You know, we all still working on our process. Yeah. Yeah. All still working on it, man. Sure. But that's the thing. And even listening to Pam's, you know, um, mastermind, you know, we have to, we have to be, uh, we have to understand that the process, you know, it might be process one, two, and three, but there's also sub processes, and you, you know, there's sometimes a glitch. There's sometimes, you know, where you know how. We all we've all worked on computers where you have to save something, and it might take a minute for it to save, you know, or you didn't put it in correctly or whatever. So we have to be willing to flow with the Holy Spirit in the process, you know, because sometimes we don't we if we're not flowing correctly, like going back to the story, if we're not flowing correctly, we will get we will get off course because he wants us to be able to say, okay, this is what, this is the goal. The goal is for me to go from Chicago to California. And if you have your, if you have like GPS, it will tell you the, the, the live GPS will have you going around construction and it will keep, It'll keep adjusting itself to give you the easiest and the fastest route to your destination. God is the same way. He gives us He's the one that will He will He will be the one to let the Holy Spirit guide us and lead us. We'll have to be willing to adjust our process, adjust our way based on what the Holy Spirit is seeing further down the road. Not what we're seeing, but what the Holy Spirit sees. And I think that's what throws us off a lot because we're going by what we see. We're trying to be um we're trying to use bifocals and we can't. You know, the bifocals I don't see how people use bifocals, but that's a good you know, with the bifocals, you know, you look at one thing for reading and the other thing to see far. But all God is asking us to do is look through one lens, and that's his, and let him direct us, you know. So we just got to, yeah. Another part of the process, too, um, at least when you were saying it, the, your, your father and his, and his put-downs, um, and we talk about this on the, the mastermind call, is also trying to understand where the other person is coming from. And you know, like with his with his put down, and that which he probably does, may not even realize that he's doing because they're so ingrained in him. But that could be about his own insecurities. You know, when you when you speak, it may you know it may touch something in him that makes him feel less than. You know, because of of knowledge and. Um, you know, and the fact that, that you know things that, that he doesn't know. And a lot of people, especially like people older than us, have a problem with someone younger 
knowing or understanding something that they don't know, you know. And so it makes it their problem not, uh, you know, take your emotion out of it and and just, you know, look at it, I guess, and that might help you also on, on your journey to uh, letting go of those, those um those restraints that, that you have. Yeah. You know what? And that that's true but with him it was more of uh, and I just found this and this is why I was a I'm able now to even talk about it. Because at first I was like, you know, I was this was you know, this was like the last little bit of you know, I'm letting all the past go type thing, you know, and I just found out, well, I figured out, like, in the last four months, you know, talking to um, another individual who knows my dad, and she summed it up for me. She was just like, you know what, your father, my what my father does is, is if it's not about him, he doesn't really care. Okay, and he has a he has a thing like it's his way or no way, you know, and that's where my control issue comes from, Sam. I know, um, mm-hmm. but it's his way or no way, and if he if 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 you don't conform, then there's an issue. Mm-hmm. And so with him, it was pretty much. I used to be the daddy's girl, like whatever my dad said was like the, the sun and the moon hung from the rafters and whatever. But after I found out what he was doing, because he, he had stepped out on my mom, after I found out what he was doing, I didn't respect him anymore. And um, and I was letting it be known. And, and he didn't appreciate that, you know. And he didn't appreciate the sharing of feelings, you know. So it was pretty much even... Hours, even though even with me coming to him respectfully, he still was just like you're talking. You know, you're not you're not you're not talking for yourself. You're talking what you heard. Da, 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 da. So, and even to and I was you know the, when I was in my twenties and thirties, I was trying to get him to understand why there was such animosity, and he still kind of like shut off what I was saying. You know, basically I should have got over it by now and this and that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was just like, okay, you know. And so, but then, like, maybe five years ago, we, we had a come to Jesus moment or whatever. And um, he totally forgot every conversation we've ever had about the way he spoke to me. And he totally denies everything that I remember. And so I'm just like, okay, you know. And and I think without, you know, they always say women have to have closure. Some people, you know, some things, you're looking for an end to it. And I think that's why we get so caught up in routine and tradition without asking questions and without, you know, without going to the source of our issues and really knowing why, like we were talking about on Mastermind, 
you know, we're we're stuck we're stuck in that routine sometimes. And that was me being stuck in a routine. But after the realization came that if it wasn't about him, my dad didn't really, you know, it didn't matter, then I was able to let it go. Just like the lady, you know, just like the thing with the roast beef yesterday. Why? 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 You know, once we get an understanding about why we do something, we can stop the routine. You know, why do you overeat? Why do you, you know, snap off at people? Why do you shut down when, you know, when when bad things start happening? Why do you run when things start getting too serious? It's like once you understand the why, you can break the routine. You can break the cycle, and you can start healing, and you can start doing things different. But without asking the questions, though, we get stuck. And that is why we get so far off course, and we start, we look 10, 20 years down the line, and we're still doing the same thing because we don't ask questions. So we have to start asking why. Why? So we can be released, so we can get free, you know, and 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 break the bondages that we have, you know, because that's what God is looking for us to do: is ask why, and He'll reveal to us why is this, why is that, and help us, you know, and help us work out, work it out. Will help us work it out. Yeah, I know I'm a a big a why asker. <laughs> I think yeah. that it's my psychology, you know, my uh, psychology roots too. You know, you're trained to that you have to understand the why. And or and and you know what? One thing I found out about asking why is that in certain situations, yes, it's you know you do need to know, but in certain situations, it will leave you stuck because I know it left me stuck for a long time, well, why, and, you know, you can't, it's like you can't move on until you get the answer to that question. Why would this person do this? I don't understand. Why would I, why, 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 why? And then you get stuck because you really feel like you can't, until you get that, you can't move on. The problem is sometimes you never find out why. Right. Sometimes the, the other person has no freaking clue why they're doing what they are doing or why they did what they did or why they went where they went, why they said what they they really, really don't know. Well, they don't remember. And the so hardest it was, it was thing is letting go when the question of why is never answered. That's hard because sometimes we feel like it's like saying it's okay. Just like for, uh, forgiveness, we think that, you know, sometimes to forgive people means that we're saying that their behavior is okay. And so, you know, sometimes that's, you know, that's a big hurdle to jump over. But you know what? Um, You you know, true enough, you do sometimes have to to, to walk away from from the why, but a lot of times also what will happen is that it will be revealed to you when, I guess we could say, when God feels that you're ready. Yeah, you know, at a point in time in you know in your life, and and I realized that with you know with my own you know family of not understanding why my siblings 
had such a problem with me and, you know, I knew I hadn't done anything to them. So, you know, basically I did. I just, you know, stopped thinking about it. I didn't understand. Why, and, and at that time I couldn't ask because no one, you know, they didn't look as having a problem with me. I was the problem. So, okay. you know, a situation like that, you can't ask for, you know, to get clarification because if they're thinking that you're the problem, then everything is going to be, you know, about you and, and which is untrue. And so therefore it's either going to make you angry or, or more confused. And so I just, you know, like left it alone or whatever, but in, in this journey that I'm on now um, and, and having hit rock bottom, it like revealed so many things about, um, you know, like about my, my family and that. And I, I didn't have to ask questions. Information came to me. And, um, you know, it was definitely like eye-opening. But the major thing was that it was that it answered, you know, a lot of the questions that I had. And it it, it made sense. It was, it was confusing in a way, um, you know, when I found out, you know, that my mom was at the core of it all. Um, I still don't quite understand that aspect of it, but at least the questions in regard to my siblings, I understand that now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes, it, you know, it'll be revealed to you, you know, down the road. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that one day perhaps, you know, I'll get revelation as to, you know, my mother's true motives about, you know, the things that she's done, but... In the meantime, you know, I just try and remember um, that, you know, that she's human and and subject to, um, you know, to be fallible and, you know, and, and try and, and, and keep it in, in perspective. It don't always work, but um, I make an effort to, to look at it that way because that keeps, that keeps my emotions in check and so I'm not so focused on, on the negative. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and can try and and um, you know, and try and focus on on her more so than than on her actions. Right. Right. And that's another thing. That's one thing. One of the things that God is working. I think with every um, person that's seeking to get deeper in Him, that we have to. In spite of what the other person is doing, we have to walk upright, you know. So you, you're saying you, you're seeing what you just said is is very key. Like you can't look at her actions, her past actions, and her current actions. You can just do what you can do, you know, and just keep it moving and just be like, okay, I'm going to love her from a distance, or you know, I'm going to still mm-hmm. respect her because she's my mom, but. Other than that, you know, and when we do that, it's just like it's hard. It, it does start off hard because, you know, like you know, <laughs> yeah, it took a minute. Did the same, you know, as I as I started getting closer to God, my journey it sounds like yours a little away because, you know, I didn't talk to my dad for years, like from the age of eighteen to like thirty. 35, 32, something like that. Mm-hmm. Me and my dad hardly ever talked, like, ever. Like, not even happy birthday. It was my sister who did all of the talking with him. 
And and it was just like not until I started the journey back to God and just really studying and trying to trying to make him the focus, I knew I was a scared. So I you know, I I tried to reach out to my dad and stuff and it's still hard because it's just like, you know, um we're not we don't have a we don't you know, we're not as close as we should be, but we're not as far as we were. Mm-hmm. You know, but it works because I know who I am now and whose I am. And it's just like, okay, no matter what, you know, I got to do what I have to do. You know, I have to do my thing, you know, and, and be respectful and honor and and, and dust and so. And I feel it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, if you don't have that 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 relationship, that foundation relationship, even if later in life you're able to come to a meeting of the minds, you know, you were still, you know, like robbed of that. You know, yeah. my, um, you know, like I said, my one sister and I, we, you know, made efforts to, um, to work through, you know, like some of the muck, and, you know, we're we're at a much better place. But we we still don't have that closeness that that sisters you know have you right. know that a lot you know a lot of sisters have you know um, because at the at the time when that relationship should have been created and molded and and solidified it was um, it was being attacked and it was being um, uh, you know broken and that and so. And, and that that was at the core, and so then now as adults to try and 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 go back, you you know you you can't do that. It's like you know you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube type of right. thing. So we have we have an understanding and we know why, you know um, we know why our relationship was the way that it was, and we make an effort to do better. But those. Um, those those lessons, those things that were told to her at a formative age, they're still there, and sometimes they they still rear up. You know, you know my my mother can still say something to her about me, and she'll immediately take it as truth, and then stop talking to me, and then later on realize, okay, this is mom at the same old tricks again, and you know, and then come around. Um, you know, even though she knows that it, it's not true at this point, but still, if if it's at the right time, right? Oh, it still, you know, like triggers that, you know, like for her. And so, you know, you can, you know, you can make an effort, um, and you know, and and at least her and I can talk about it now, you know, because you know she, you know, she'll call it and she'll tell you know, like I haven't talked to you, you know, because of this, that, and the other, and you know, and so on and so forth. And so we can we can at least talk about it now, whereas before, you know, that would have never, you know, like happened. Um, and so it 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 helps in you know, like in the in the relationship, but it still causes you know, like a problem because you you just cannot get that that closeness um, because when it should have been forming, it it it, it never was allowed to do so. You know. Um, it's, it's, it's just interesting, 
And, you know, when you talk about, like, not speaking to your to your father, um, from the time that I left college, I think I may have only encountered my stepfather maybe two or three times um, before he passed. And, um, you know, with him, there was there was definitely hatred. There was not like dislike. It it had escalated to the point of hatred until um, I think I mentioned on the call before where I read or read or heard um, a pastor say, you know, when you when you hate someone, that doesn't affect the other person. It just affects you mm-hmm. because they're living their life, and sometimes they don't even know that you hate them. Um, they're living their life and enjoying it, and you're, you know, you're the one walking around with all this hatred and bitterness and so on and so forth. And that was just like an epiphany for me, and that allowed me to to let go of the, um, you know, like of the hatred and everything, and just, you know, just become more or less like numb where where he was concerned. And like with my mom, my epiphany with her when I realized that. I love her because she's my mom, but I don't always like her. Mm-hmm. And that that was was my was my floodgate where I was like, okay, this is how I deal with her. Just acknowledging the fact that I love her, but I don't always like her, and it helps me to to keep it, you know, like in in, in perspective and to not like I said to not focus on her actions so much at least not all the time. Every now and then she still goes there. But, um, you know, just but to not dwell on it because mm-hmm. again, that that is affecting me more than – well, it's affecting me directly more than it's affecting her directly. I mean, because that negativeness, and I don't think that she realizes it either, all of that negativeness is affecting her because it's affecting her health. She has all types of health issues. You know, but mm. you know when you when you have all that meanness inside of you, um, it it manifests itself um, with illnesses and 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 disease. Because if you break down disease into a compound work, it's dis ease. Mm. You know, and so you're you're not at you're not at peace with yourself. You know, and you're you're causing all this strife and 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 you know and like negativity, and you're feeding off of it, and um and it's feeding you know like like from your body, so it's it's taking the health from you know like from from her body, and I don't think that that she that she realizes that. Probably not, and that's and that's <laughs> one thing believers have to understand too. You know, once we get, you know, I told my sister along, I told my sister, you know, for three years to show you how it, disease is. It, it, I went from being able to move around fluidly to like hobbling to like being on sticks in three years. And that was because of being stubborn, being angry being, you know, depressed and stuff like that. Those things feelings manifesting you don't when you don't let them go. They just fester. Just like infections. If you let something fester long enough, it starts affecting the body on some level. And if we as believers get that understanding, then we'll start we'll start 
really doing the whole spirit, soul, and body reflection. Like, what am I holding on to? What what am I missing about myself? The reason why, you know, my body is feeling a certain way. I'm not saying all diseases that way, but some things can be attributed to what you have harboring in your soul. Like, are you still harboring anger? Are you still harboring unforgiveness? Are you still harboring, you know, you know, um, low self-esteem is a good one. You know, are you still harboring stubbornness? Are you still being disobedient? Are you still, all of those have attributes that, you know, will eventually become, because they're, they're considered a sin, they eventually have to have some kind of outlet. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and it's, and I didn't know, I really didn't know until, um, I was I was I was accepting. I'm like I said, Lord. I said I went from walking to walking because I couldn't bend my knees to you know barely being able to get from one place to another. And I had to I had found out that um, I had a goiter in my throat and and I had to have surgery on that. And I'm like, what is going on? And it was just all of this stuff that I was holding in and had nowhere to go. It was manifesting itself physically, mm-hmm. you know. And, the, you know, I told my sister, I said, this gorder that was in my throat, it was blocking off my um, my airway, and I didn't know it until I went to the doctor because it was underneath the skin. And, that, and you know, and, and I was just like, wow, you know, and it was like the size of an orange. Wow. And it was pressing up against my windpipe. I mean, I couldn't walk from my car to the house without getting winded, and I didn't know why. And the doctor was like, let me check, you know, let me take a look at your, take an X-ray of my throat. Because when you looked at my throat, my throat looked, you know, it was like a little lump but nothing to be, you know, like, oh, okay, and found out that it was pushing up against my airway. And he was like, if you didn't come in any, you know, if you didn't check it sooner, it could have really pushed your, you know, it would have obstructed your airway. And and, and it was just like all of this stuff that I wasn't saying. I, I didn't talk a lot. I didn't express myself. And so I told my sister, I was like, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing comes out and it has nothing but words on it, all the words that I've never said, you know. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's a dream. Spiritual and body, I'm so glad we're learning about it. I am. I'm really glad because it's, it's needful. It's needful. And you know what? And you, you sound like a friend of mine. Um, her and her mom have always been that way too. And I tried to, and, and I, <laughs> the difference between you and her is that you're you're trying and she's trying, but you you have understood the the you have understood what she doesn't understand, and that is that 
even though her mom is her mom is mean and her mom is this and that, she doesn't deal with her unless she really has to, and she does everything grudgingly. You know, she's trying to honor her by you know still being there for her and doing stuff for her, but she does it grudgingly. And there's not that lightness about it. Like even though you know your mom is still the way she is, and you still have to deal with her, there's a lightness in what you're doing. And continue to let the lightness flow because the thing is, there's something, um, and, and I'm gonna, and I'm still gonna shut up after this. But when it comes to, um, hmm, are you the oldest? Yep. Is everybody else like half brothers and sisters, or you're all full blood brothers and sisters? Um, I have a different father than they do. Mm. It has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with you. I mean, you will never, and she will never tell you why, but it has nothing oh, to actually, do with you. Actually, I know why. Yeah. And, and, and you're correct. It, it does not have to do with me. Um, I, I think I shared this on the line one time also. Um, I, I mean, I've never met my, my biological father. Um, and uh, the story that my mother told about him, um, you know, he was, he was older than her. Um, she got pregnant with me, you know, the first time that, you know, that they had sex. And she never told him that, you know, that she was pregnant and um and they moved before before I was born. But um she told my sister, this was like in adulthood, she told she told my sister a secret about my father that she did not tell me and she told my sister not to tell me. Um and for a long time my sister didn't, but then, you know, that really started bothering her that she was put in the middle like that. Um and so she finally told me that my my father actually raped my mother. And yeah. he told me that even though I do not know for sure if it's true, but it just made so much sense and it just explained, you know, why uh-huh. I always felt that my mother, you know, hated me. Um, you know, it, again, it was like another piece to the puzzle. Yeah. 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 Okay. And because what I'm seeing is what I'm seeing is she isolated you just because of that. That person, she isolated you because of that. And she doesn't even, she doesn't under, she knows she's doing it, but she doesn't. What I the, the feeling I get is she does it, and at first it was, it's basically what we're we're talking about on you were talking about on Mastermind yesterday, because now it's just routine, and she was so young, mm-hmm. and. It became it just became habit that she's not she's not even aware she does it anymore. And 
because it's habit. You know, is that making sense? Like, you know, it's, it's just, it's now routine. It's now a tradition. And, and there's no way to break it. Because she's not, she doesn't think there's anything wrong with it because now it's a habit. Mm-hmm. But because you're, you, you know, you and your sister, and I guess, you know, your sister asked the questions and now you guys are talking about it, if the other ones would do the same thing, it would be breaking the cycle. Right. You know, and they're not, and they're not, and they're, but they aren't, there, they're not willing to ask the question. Well, why? You know what I mean. Unlike the sister that you're you're getting a relationship with, they're not willing to ask the question why, because they are just like, well, because my mom did it, I'm going to do it too. You know. Well, and, and so well, with my sister that that you know that we're working with, it was actually her children that put her on that on that path because. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she raised them a little differently. She, she raised them to think for themselves and that it was okay for them to think for themselves. And so they were the ones who told her, I don't think that Aunt Pam is really the way that Grandma says she is. And so they planted that seed in my sister. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, what, that's what helped her to be able to, to open up and, and look at me differently. So it can be done. They just have to, you know, it, but that that just that just shows the principles that, you know, Sam is teaching and you're teaching that it does work. It's just you have to the person has to be willing to ask the questions and look for the answer for themselves. Because I'm quite sure, you know, they've seen you do things different. But they explain it away. So, just woman of God, just continue to to to, to walk uprightly in what you're doing. You know, just letting them see the God in you and you gaining your relationship. You know, with Him. You know, and eventually they're gonna start asking questions to the sister that's changing. And, you know, unfortunately, years have been lost, but you can regain those years that the canker worm has taken and the palmer worm has eaten, and God, God can restore all of that. He can restore all of that. Um, and I have gone over my time. Um, if any, does anybody have any other questions or prayer requests or comments? I would love, uh, I have a, well, I would love, I don't know that I have a special prayer request, just, you know, but I would, I would really, well, okay, I'm doing it again, like I'm trying to stop myself. Um, just for faith, um, for faith. Last night when we were talking, I'm gonna make this quick, we were talking at the meeting and um just talking about how all of this unfolded. 
and I was talking about the um the 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 conviction that I felt yesterday with the pastor sermon bless you when he was talking about um there needs to be a revolution in the church. Because when he his style is, you know, he keeps everything. We have a lot of NIU students, a lot of college students, so he keeps everything current when he speaks, current and um, informative about politics and, uh, you know, what's going on in our society with black people and all of that stuff. And I felt some type of conviction when he was giving the message because, um he was talking about things, you know, like in our community, our kids don't have a lot of the things that other kids have, and we have resources, meaning people, right in the community, and they're not helping, and, you know, all this and all this and all this, and I was like, oh, I felt like I was getting kidney shots the whole time, because not that he was trying to do it, but because... I know that God has spoken to me so many times about these, um, the school that I need to be doing here, the programs that I need to be doing here. I'm, and and I really, really believe in my soul that he released me from my employment so that I could do certain things. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, my God, what if people don't pay? What if this? What if that? What if this? What is that? You know, I don't want to be in financial straits. I'm fine right now. I don't, I can't go and, you know, be in a position where I don't know how I'm going to pay this. I don't know how I'm going to pay. I, I, I said I can't. I can't. Because I've been there before. And I just, I just felt like I couldn't. I can't. So I'm faced with, I know that a need is there. But why I got to be one to do it? <laughs> If that makes any sense, why well, gotta be me? Because it's why be not me. you? I'm gonna do a because, why not you? Okay, well, it's not you. I guess for the reasons that I was saying, that it is because financially, you know, I don't. I mean, a job will secure me financially. I ain't gonna be rich or nothing, but at least I don't have to worry. You know, and I just feel like I'm not. Maybe my faith is just not strong enough yet where I'm like, okay, God, you just let it go because there's so many people around me just struggling and struggling and struggling. And I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to struggle like that. I don't, I just, I'm sorry. I don't think there's honor in that. I mean, meaning to choose it on purpose, if that makes any sense. Like things happen, people get laid off, people lose their jobs, you know, people get sick. I ain't talking about like those uncontrollable things in life. I'm talking about choosing to put myself in that situation. Choosing but are you, to do it. Okay. Now, if you're choosing, are you choosing? Okay. Uh, this is a hard question because I'm dealing with it too. I get you. I get you. Okay. I do. Right. But <laughs> if the choice is, Obedience that includes sacrifice. Don't you think that he will honor what you, what he has instilled in you to do? Do you really think that he will have you do something and not make sure that provision will be given because of your obedience? I don't. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like I said, I guess my, I guess maybe I get an F. I mean, 
No, it's, I, it's not, I want to say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at it another way. You put your faith in a job, okay, um, counting on that paycheck on a regular they basis. Play. But, and they play but me then too, girl. you won't put your faith in God. Yep, and the job played me. There you <laughs> go. So you're right, Doctor. You know what? You are absolutely right. See, this is why I need y'all to help me out, man. Because I just, <laughs> I'm serious. Because all I can see, I'm being totally honest, and I know when I, I know I don't have to front, and I can just be real with y'all. All I see around me is everybody just struggling and broke, and crying and falling out, and can't pay this. And, can't, and I'm like, well, at least if I get a job. At least that buy me another year or something. Like I, the thought of of being in that situation again with my kids, because I was kind of there before, because I was married to somebody who has some real interesting ways of looking at finances. We'll put it like that. So, <laughs> real, real interesting, peculiar ways. And it was on me to take care of my children, and, and the thought of of not being able to provide. And the thought of that type of stress again, it just is too much. I'm sorry. It's just too much for my psyche. Like, oh, my God. But at the same time, when I tell you that the Holy Spirit was stabbing me, like, right in the small of my back the whole time, remember preaching? Because I was like, man, all the stuff needed me. I know I could do it. I can't do it alone. I would need a team, but even my business team. I got to get y'all part of too, but that's a side note. Even my business team last night was like, you know, you'll need a team, and you know we'll help you. And I was like, God, why you got to give me somebody that say that? Help me. Jesus, now what's my excuse? But I just, I'm trying to shake this fear, and I'm trying, because, you know, with fear comes confusion. Because I'm like, if I'm fearful, maybe I'm not really supposed to do it. Maybe it's supposed to be somebody else. appearing real. Yes. 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 You're right. You're just going to have to step out. Oh, Jesus. Because you're, wait, you're waiting for everything to be lined up. Yes, I yes, am. It's not line up. It's, not. It's, like, it's like people that say, you know, um, I'll get married when the time is right. I'll have a baby when the time is right. I'll buy a house when the time is right. Whose time? Mm-hmm. You know, we're not even promised tomorrow. So, whose time? So you're waiting for everything to be, you know, lined up and to be perfect, and you know that's not going to happen. That, you know what? That's your that's your out. That is your out because you're you're waiting for everything to be perfect, even though in your heart of hearts you know. Everything is never going to be perfect. That that's is your, correct, that's, ma'am. That is correct. <laughs> All I can say is yes, ma'am. You are correct. Cause, oof. And then you know, I went to. I told you all I got. Went my get my credit together, and I could buy a house soon. And I'm like, oh, don't backtrack now. You're right here. You're about to get everything paid off. It's going to be perfect. And da, 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 and you're gonna be able to do this and do that finally. And my brain was like, You better not not get no job. Some of you gonna start a school 
when you know your cousins don't pay. <laughs> you know and your see, cousins don't pay. focusing on that credit score. You know that that that's another tactic of the enemy. Yeah, that's true. It 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 really is. It is. It was created to keep the poor and the middle class just that poor and middle class. You'll never hear about Warren Buffett talking about a credit score. You're right. And mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey said, "Don't fool with it either." You know, I follow Dave Ramsey. I don't know if y'all know about uh, Dave, but mm-hmm. he said the same. The financial piece, the uh, financial makeover dude. He's been doing it for. He's very rich, and but he's a Christian. He's a very he's a devout Christian, and um. He said the same thing. He said FICO scores and all that stuff. He said do not fool with that stuff. Nope, do not, do not, do not get caught up in that. You get to, you know, they have us brainwashed that if you pay cash for something, you know that that, that that's a bad thing. Right. You know, you don't build up credit. Yeah, credit credit is not your friend. You know, it is just you know another vehicle to to get you in debt to stress you out. You know, I mean, yeah, it can be helpful if used correctly, but then people don't really understand it, and so therefore they don't use it correctly. But they mm. caught up, you know, like in the um, in the, the the credit score. You know, that credit score does not say anything about you as a person. Okay, and um, if you you know if you are believing in God, if He has given you this dream then he has created how you are going to, um, how it's going to manifest. And if you have any, um, you know, doubt, like, about that, and I put this out there because he always does anyway, um, you know, like, Sam is a perfect example, okay? It's not, you know, I don't even think he knows what his credit score is, um, but God has already told him that certain things are going to manifest. And and God didn't mention anything about a credit score. Right. You know, know, and yet he's making things happen for him. Um, And, and again, it has nothing to do with a credit score. So don't, you know, don't focus on that. Quit with, um, you know, all your excuses because that's what they are. Oh, no, my Um, my big sister didn't tell me to stop my foolishness. (laughs) (laughs) You know, let let all of that go because the bottom line is if this is something that God has put in your heart, then he has already created the path for it to manifest. He's just waiting on you to get on board. Oh, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let me be honest and tell you all one more thing because, uh, Felicia, I want to keep you on here so Jesus come back. Um, <laughs> the truth is I'm about to say something, and I got to tell the truth, and I can't just let Telling the truth that God loves. You know what I figured out uh, yesterday in that meeting, my business meeting? I've never really had to. I don't know what it's like to struggle. I mean, I know what it's like to be uncomfortable. Bless your heart. But I don't really know what it's like. I know what it's like to not. But that's because I wanted to be a gift. You see, when I struggled, it was because I put my own self there because I wanted to be a rock star. I don't know what the heck I was doing. So that's why most people struggle. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. Every time I needed anything, when money got low or when I needed anything, all I had to do was call my mother or call my whoever, and they just wired the money to me. Oh. I, never went with, I never went without for long. 
because okay. it was just giving me the money. You know, so, so I mean, I did for a while. Oh, you know, I want to make y'all think that I just never, I mean, I found a way and I had my businesses and it was great, but I mean, to to really, really struggle, when I did really, really struggle, it was because my pride wouldn't let me, you know, contact anybody or whatever, but I knew always that I didn't have to and that at any moment in time, somebody would come and pay my bills. Okay. So maybe subconsciously, and I'm, I'm being honest, subconsciously maybe I'm afraid of the show because I'm not going to do that no more. I'm not there anymore. I was young then, mm-hmm. you know, younger and stuff. But now, now I just feel so, I don't know, y'all. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just confused. Well, I'm confused. I know what's, what, what's needed. Put it like that. I know what's needed. And I'm just like, man, what? am I supposed to be the one to do it, though? <laughs> you remind me of the child that does not want to grow up. Oh. I say oh. you are reminding me of the child that does not want to grow up. Oh, man. Well, oh, my God. Let me go. I'm sorry. Let me go somewhere and stop the bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. cause you've, you've always had that lifeline, okay? And so now you're saying, okay, well, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. But if I don't do that, and then I get in trouble, then, 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 what do I do? You know, I mean, you again, you keep, you know, you're coming up with all these what if scenarios, um, worst case scenarios. You know, that that's what your focus is, and um, was the energy flow where attention goes. And so if that's, if that's what you're going to keep focusing on, then even if you step out, that's, that's, what, that's where you're going to go because that's what you keep thinking. So instead of thinking that way, why not think the opposite way? You yes. know, remember that, that God gave you this dream, okay, yes. and that he has it worked out. Start thinking about, you know, the, the, the end game, you know, the, the – you know, this is what you know. This is what you envision um, how it will be if everything goes as it's supposed to. Knowing, okay, that you are going to have some stumbles, okay, and pitfalls in that, but still focusing on the the end game instead of focusing on all the you know the, the what ifs. What if this happens, and what if that happens, and you know, and so, what if it doesn't? Mm. Oh boy. I mean, because in the in the long of it, we're still. I mean, you were you were saying that you depend on, you know, you had your mom and your, you know, you had your mom to fall back on, and you know, when things were rough. I mean, think of God the same way. That's pretty much where this is this is leading to for you and anybody else. It's like He wants you to say, "Okay, Lord, you know, this bill is due." Sam is an Sam is. I, I mean, I, I know Seth say he hates it, but Sam is our is our living example of okay, Lord, you know, I need to pay this bill, and X Y Z. This is what I got. What can you do for me? You know, I mean, he's faithful, you know. But the thing, but the difference between God. And your mom is your mom is physically there, and you see her, you can touch her, and you, you know, 
whereas God is, you know, he's intangible. And it's all about, you know, it's all about having the, the faith that he'll do, you know. And even we have to remember that he's done it before, he'll do it again, you know. And that's, and that's an ongoing thing, and we have to renew our thought process because, he, you know, we look at the time, and we look at, you know, we look at the situation as dire, and he's like, I got you in the 10th hour. I got you in the 12th hour. When you think that time is up here, you know, an, extent, an extension is given, money is given, the whole thing disappears. I mean, all of those situations come up. We just have to, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel you. I mean, you ain't missing nothing in the struggle. You're really not. You're, uh-uh. It's so overrated. The struggle is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> you can't think ain't nothing noble about that, huh? I, mean, I ain't going to say it's overrated, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it is so... I mean, because you know what? The struggle is as hard as you put it. Because I was telling my daughter, I said, if you look at even, you know, Africans, you know, we're all, their struggle is is real, you know, and they are Mm -hmm. the most happiest people in the world. Yeah. You know, it's it's their perspective, you know what I mean? And so we just have to, that's what I'm saying, it's overrated. I mean, the struggle is as bad or as good as you make it, as you perceive it to be. Mm-hmm. Pain, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Mm. There you mm-hmm. go. And then you know what? And then I said, okay. So why you all were just talking? I was like, okay. They write as usual. They write as usual. All right, fine. So, <laughs> what if I work another year and then try to save, and then you know when I have some savings and pay off some stuff, then I'll do it. <laughs> You gotta I'm so serious. That's what I just thought. I, I promised you I was like, I could pay off the van. I could do, you know, have some, um, pay my rent up a few months. I could do this, and then I could do that, and then I'd be straight. And then something that's, that, that, you know, that feeling you get in the pity of your stomach like you about to have diarrhea just hit me <laughs> and was like, so is is that what you call stepping out on faith? So and so, Holy Spirit is like, okay, so you still just gonna keep, you still trying to do this on your time though. You gonna sit up, and you know it's so funny because I just thought, okay, yeah, you had a plan about when you was gonna leave your job too, and I had to help you out. <laughs> so now you gonna make another set of plans. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna work for a year. Yep, and then I'm gonna save. I'm gonna pay off this, 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 and this. So if it don't work, then I won't be put out. And da, da, da. oh Lord, wow. And there's bound to be some. We won't call it suffering. We'll call it some uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. on the journey because. You know, and Sam and I say this all the time, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Right. True. You know, so it, it's not going to be easy in the, the sense that, you know, that people look at it as, you know, as, when you think of easy. Mm-hmm. But if it's your calling and if it's something that you enjoy doing, then mm-hmm. then it would be easy. Right. 
You just got to take mm-hmm. the plug, girl. You know, I want to. I keep a visual. I'm man. I'm every single time. You know, he like in church. You know, when he talks about that, and I know because not many people. Well, number one, the difference between me and a lot of other people is that not many people, like who are are educators and stuff. Not to say none, but not many have lived my life. I've I've been. I haven't worked. A, a structured job for most of my adult life. Most of my adult life, I've I've been like what people would call hustling, and it's not illegal hustling. It's legal hustling. You know, I moved to California with four hundred dollars in a rental car. It was like we're about to do this. This is what I had the heart of a lion. I was not afraid to take risks. I wasn't afraid to do anything. And my husband was, you know, he was kind of like me. So. We didn't have, you know, I just wasn't a scaredy cat. Like, if I wanted to do it, I would do But that's when I was younger. And so now that my children are getting older and stuff, and I'm, head, you know, I'm getting older, I'm hands for retirement, you you know, you don't always take those same risks like mm-hmm. you did when you were younger. You know, and I don't want to look, see, and that's a serious thing because I, I, I don't want to look up and I'm 60 and I don't have nothing to say, nothing to my retirement, who I'm going to live with and what I'm going to eat. You know, so I'm just telling you that this is the other side of my thought. Like, yeah, that's noble and everything, but, you know, which, what? Okay, let, 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 me, let me help you out a little bit. Okay. Uh-oh. <clears throat> okay. Um, I have worked since I was 12 years old, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Never thought that I would, that I would not work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my goal was always, you know, I knew I was going to college. Um, I mean, I've always liked education anyway, so you know that wasn't a stretch for me or what have you. Um, you know, get a job, you know, get an apartment, so on and so forth. Um, had a house built from the ground up, the first one in my family, like in in at least three generations, to to have a house. This is, you know, part of why, you know, my mother saying that I think I'm better than people. You know, once I went away to college, um, mm-hmm. you know, because I broke the cycle of teenage pregnancy, um, my sisters picked it back up again. Um, okay. And, you know, so by me not getting pregnant, going to college, you know, and, and so on and so forth, because I took a different path, my mother took that as I think I'm better than everyone else. When my sisters got pregnant, you know, that, that just really, like, messed her up. You know, like, mm-hmm. I was supposed to be the one to get pregnant, not them. Um, oh. You know, so, um, you know, had a house built, um, the whole nine yards, and, you know, was, was, enjoying, was enjoying life on the surface, but was not, um, was not happy on the inside and did not realize, it was actually a friend of mine who's, you know, who's been called home who, you know, one time when we were out, she asked me what was going on with me. And I, you know, I was like, what are you talking about? And she was, you know, she was like, your smile doesn't reach your eyes. And, you know, mm-hmm. only, only a true friend can recognize that. You know? Right. And, you know, but I still didn't realize, you know, you, you know, I think, it, you know, in my subconscious, I knew that there was something wrong, but I hadn't accepted that there was something wrong yet. And uh, long story short, basically, I just burnt out in corporate America. You know, okay. um, the harder I worked, you know, it just seemed like the less I was accomplishing. 
okay? And when I, mm-hmm. I remember when I bought my house, I was like, you know, if I got to work three jobs, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not losing this house and so on and so forth. And when um, I was doing consulting work and I was making, you know, I was making, you know, really good money and everything and um, an assignment ended and, um you know, there was a lull between assignments, and then when they when they found another one for me, it was further away, it was less money, you know, I just really, you know, like wasn't feeling the struggle, and it got to the point where, and I say this now, you know, going back to work at corporate America, the thought of it was making me physically ill, okay, and this was like the beginning of, of, of my journey, um, that I've been on now, which I told Sam yesterday, I was like, you know, it's been 14 years, good grief, uh, when he was talking about, you know, like long-suffering. Um, but, you know, of going through um, making myself leave the house because I was afraid I was going to get to the point where I would not leave the house. You know, when we talk about not judging a book by its cover, you know, from the outside, it looked like everything was well with me. You know, I had a home. I had a decent car. You know, I dressed nice. Um, you know, so to look at me, you would never know that, you know, twice a day all I'm eating is fried potatoes and biscuits because I don't have money for anything else. You know, um, I'm barely keeping my utilities on. I'm barely keeping gas in my car. And, of course, I wasn't telling anyone anything, you know, um, and I wasn't asking for help. Okay. Uh, long story short, I lost my house. I, my house, I lost at the foreclosure, and this was right before everybody else started losing theirs. So when I lost mine, that was still a bad thing. Okay, you know where people looked at you like, "Ooh, what did you do?" Um, you know now it's like, "Oh, you know, hey, it's sign of the times." Um, and so it was like a stigma to, you know, like to to lose your house type of thing, and to. Um, to be in a position where you have no money and you're depending on other people to to help you out is an extremely like humbling uh situation you know and and especially with family because they took great delight in my fall and you know and that hurts um I got more help I got more genuine help from people who did not know me very well than I did from my, from my own family. Um, and even now, um, I am now 51 years old. I have no savings. Uh, you know, I have like a few bucks in checking. I do not have a, you know, a regular uh, job. Um and yet I'm still making it with the help of some people. But, you know, I know that there's something that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm slow about getting to it because my my path with with God was so was so cold and I'm so, you know, was so new to it. And so um but I understand that it's that it's in his that it's under his control and that when I stop worrying about things, things happen. You know, if mm-hmm. I'm worried about, you know, what am, I mean, and I've, and I've gone hungry. You know, I've gone several days without, without food to eat because I was stressing about where I'm going to get money for food to eat. 
But when I stop stressing about it, I get some money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when I stop, um, you know, okay, no, I don't have cable, but is my life over because I don't have cable? No. You know, and at this point, I don't know if I'll ever get cable back again, even when I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, sometimes when you, when you, when those things are taken away from you, you realize that they really are just things, you know. And true enough, I do like my things. I ain't going to lie. Um, but I think that going forward, as I acquire them, it will be, it will be different, you know. Um, if, I, if I can't afford to buy it, then I, need, then I need to wait. It's okay. It's not, you know, it's not a bad thing. Um, and I do think about the, you know, like the future and, and older ages. We know we can't depend on our government. Um, and, and how will I take care of myself? But I don't, I don't focus on that because, again, we're not even promised tomorrow. So I don't know if I'll make it to 75 or 80 or, or what have you. So why am I going to stress myself about it now? You know, mm-hmm. I just have to believe that if, um, if I am blessed to make it to that point that, you know, that, that there will be a way for me to take care of myself um, and instead focus my energy, you know, like on now. Now there is something that I am supposed to be doing, and I am trying to get my mojo back because I used to have so much energy and just be so, you know, gung-ho and um, – to have all of that, you know, like gone, sometimes I look at myself like, who are you? You know, and, but I, I do believe that I'm being, I don't know, reborn, recreated, whatever the case may be, and I, I trust God. I, I have no choice but to trust him. I truly would not be here, um, be where I'm at, uh, and it's not my ideal situation, but I do have a roof over my head and a safe place to sleep at night. I do have food to eat. may not always be what I want, but I have something to eat. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm learning. When Sam, I think when Sam prayed for me yesterday or the day before, and he was saying, you know, that, that, that God has put um, people and resources in my, in my life that I'm supposed to, to lean on and glean from, right now that are going to help me with my journey. And the first thing I thought of was the prayer call. Um, And, you know, being able to share and being able to to learn of God's word and and so on and so forth. And it has helped me um, tremendously. And it has, um, you know, like answered some questions or or explained some things that – that I had wondered or was uneasy about before. So when you, you know, when you talk about thinking about, you know, like your future and that and, and you know, who's going to take care of you. And see, I don't have children. So I really, you know, sometimes be like, who will take care of me when I'm older? I have no clue, okay? Um, you know, because I don't even have, you know, any children. So, mm, so I really try not to focus on that because that's just depressing sometimes. But, um, you know, you can't you can't let that stop you from from what it is that you're supposed to be doing. And I think, like you said, like you were so um, so much of a risk taker when you were younger. And I think again, that's another one of those societal things because you know we we think it's okay to be like that when when you're young. 
you know, when you're young, you don't really have any responsibilities and you can do that, you know, so on and so forth. And then when you get older, you're supposed to be responsible. And, you know, and and people don't look at taking risk as being responsible. But, you know, like you say, your children are getting older and it's about to be you again. So why can't you take the risk? Mm-hmm. You know, it will, you know, if once your children are, are out doing their own thing, okay, and you don't have to, you know, worry about making sure that they have food to eat and, you know, and so on and so forth, then, you know, what's to stop you other than you from, from taking that risk and, and, you know, and enjoying life, you know, like you did when you were younger? You're right. Thinking just fear. Mm-hmm. Fear. It's, it's, it's fear. It's fear of being in a position again where I can't take care of my children. That terrifies me. I'm not going to lie. That, that right there terrifies me. Because now, how old are your children? With the, my oldest one is the one in college. She'll, she's 20. Okay. So you basically on, basically on her own. And then my son is in eighth grade. Okay. He's 14, and Maya, my baby girl, is just turned nine. Okay. But you could also look at it from the aspect of setting an example for your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that, you know, that this is really something that, that mommy wants to do, that, you know, this is a dream. Because I'm sure that, that – um, that you have introduced them to, to God and that. So, you know, it's not like that would be a strange conversation or anything, but to, you know, to sit down and talk to them and, and explain to them and, you know, and say, you know, we may have to make, you know, like some sacrifices and that. Um, but And then you also have a relationship with your mom and, and, and pull her into it um, also, because I'm sure grandma spoils her grandkids to, to some extent. Um, so it's not like, you know, you would totally be on an island by yourself. Right. You know, you still, you know, you still have that that lifeline. Um, not that you want to count on it, but it's still there. You know. Um, but just explain to your children and and you know, and to your mom that this, you know, this is a dream that God has put inside of you, and that you know that you're going to step out and and you know and do this, and that it may require some some sacrifice. But if you can, um, again, focus on the big picture, and that's what you tell the kids. Don't tell them, you know, well, you know, in the event that, you know, that this happens, you know, uh-uh, don't, don't even put that negativity in their mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Stay, stay on the positive and on the big picture and what it is that you're trying to achieve um, so that they can be on board with you and be thinking the same thing. Because so you don't want everybody thinking, oh, my God, we're not going to have food. We're going to get put out on the street. And, you know, right. and, oh, you know what are we going to – you don't want everybody thinking that, you know. No. So, you know, no. Just the positive to them, you know. And, you know, you may be surprised. They may get excited about it as well, and then that will help fuel you. Yeah. And they, and, and you know what? Here's the thing that's so interesting is that my landlord, because, you know, I'm renting. I just moved here, so, you know, I haven't bought a house or anything. All I have to do is just tell her. She already said, all right, we're renewing the lease. This is my third year. 
you know, we're getting the party going again, just, you know, let me know and it's on. So I don't have to worry about a place to live. I've got to pay for it, but it's not like, you know, this transition, I don't even have to go anywhere. I just, just stay where I'm at. I don't have to move out of the house or, you know, anything like that. It would just be, you know, paying for it every month, you know. But I don't mm-hmm. have, like, a whole, 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 whole lot of bills. I mean, I got bills, clearly. And and I do like to eat sometimes, you know. So, I, you know, every now and again I like to eat. <laughs> so, you know, be able to, you know, cook a ramen noodle or two every now and again. Silly. But, <laughs> you know, like three or four of them with a little bit of the season, even if it's just a smidgen for each noodle. But I, I really, um, I got to get, I got to get over myself. I have to get over myself. I do. I have to get over myself because um, I can't let this fear paralyze me. You're right. You're right. And the time is now. Mm-hmm. Because he's made provisions for me to be able to take care of my family through August. And so I said, okay, well, even if, what if I piloted a summer program, you know, got off my duff, did the dream project, you know, secured a place. There's places I could get for $20 a week, you know, just to try it and see. Because it's not like I don't have the kids. Parents love me. Like, I got parents mm-hmm. here who, if they heard I was doing anything, they would bring their kids. I know this. And with two churches, oh, my God, and I know the churches will support me. You know, so it's not, here's the thing that's so funny. It's not like I don't have the support. I've got the support, black and white. i got the support. It's mm-hmm. me. I can't tell you how many times, just in church Last week, I went, and one of the parents didn't know about the school thing because, you know, we haven't really made a public announcement. And she was like, I'm going to the school next week to request my son for you. And when I told her, she literally cried. Her mama was there. She literally, like, tears fell. She was like, what do you mean you're not going to be there? I've been waiting three years to send him to you. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, so it's not like I wouldn't be supportive, supported. You know, I don't – I. It's me. It's all me being a punk, y'all. I'm just, well, I'm just some punk behavior. No, punk that's the right that you give to everybody else. You need to apply it to yourself. You just Uh-oh. have to believe in yourself and do what you say you got to do. Wait a minute, where you come from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, my God. And this sister, Reba's been knowing me, what, for 10, 12 years, my Reba? This has been a long yeah. time. And she knows and she's seen me in all my elements. When I was supervising the, um, you know, the after-school program at the school and, you know, and everything, it's not like I, I know I can do it, y'all. I know I can do it. I know I can. So do it. But, and that's because okay. you have so many other okay. talents other than just teaching. Ma'am? That's because you have so many other talents other than just teaching. All you have to do is tap into your resources and do what you got to do and stop playing yourself. I'm playing too much. Okay. Okay, y'all. Okay. And don't call okay. a summer program like, you know, like it's, a, you know, an experiment. Say, you know, I'm going to start with the summer program. 
Okay. You got, you got to put the right thoughts in your head, okay? Because yes, if you look okay. at it and you've just done it before, just like God sample. has done it before, he'll do it again. You've done it before, you can do it again. Okay, y'all. Yeah. The summer program, that, that's the start. That's how you're going to kick off, you know, <clears throat> everything else. It's going to start with the summer program, then it'll move into the school year, you know, you, 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 the big picture, big picture. Okay, so what y'all trying to tell me is this resume that I got to keep summer school in Rockford, I need to not put that in. Is that what y'all trying to tell me? We're not teaching summer school. We're doing, we doing my thing? Basically. Hello. Okay. okay. And it's not really but your you know thing. What? No. Whatever this is that's going on, it's already been pre-written. God has already ordained it, so why are you doubting it? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and y'all know what? I even got, I went on to the IRS online and got my IEN, my SEIN number and everything. So I have a tax number for, for my business. Okay, like girl, why, did, you waste, why you wasting our time? I don't know, but I'm about to stop for one of y'all come up through this phone on me. <laughs> I bet y'all so about to stop. need to have that extra... Because I was, I was, I ain't going to lie, I was, I was a little scared. Of what? You need an mm-hmm. amen corner? Okay, you got mm-hmm. your corner. Now do what you got to do and stop cleaning yourself. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna finish. So the curriculum I already pretty much wrote it. I'm gonna look I'm a all right, fine. Fine. Okay. Uh-uh, see, you got you got to do something that's gonna commit you. See that curriculum. That's that's, that's still the, the the planning or whatever. You can still hide behind that. You need to do something Ooh. that's going to commit you. So I need to put something out there in writing to where people will see it and hold me to it. Yep. So I need to be designing a flyer brochure or something. And then mm-hmm. and then distributing it. Secure your place. Mm-hmm. You say you got places okay. that you can, you know, rent for twenty dollars or what have you. Secure your mm-hmm. place. And then put your put your flyers out there because see once people start calling you, bam, you're committed. The okay. curriculum will finish writing itself. It's not like you don't know it. You're right because I really know it off the back of something back in my hand. Right, like, I can write curriculum with my eyes closed. That's true. So that's just another stall tactic. And I'll be there. I will be bothering you, Lisa. We talked about this before, and you didn't tell me this part. What part didn't I tell you, see? You didn't tell me that you wanted to do an after-school program or a program at all. You were talking about everything else but that. (laughs) Yeah, because I knew what you was going to say. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm telling on her. I told her I wanted to start a program here in Chicago, well, in Chicago Heights, after-school program, schooling, and stuff like that. And this woman was like, oh, I can write curriculum for you. She never said that she was, that it was put on her as well to do a program. I didn't mention that, huh? No, no, you didn't. So we could have been working together on this a month ago, two months ago. 
Yeah. About uh-huh. it. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Well, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm I'm on some stuff. All right, y'all. Okay. All right, for real. You know, next, mon- next Monday, we're going to ask you what you've done. Ooh. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. For, all right. Okay. I'm no, going to do it for real. You be accountable. You hold, hold everybody else's accountability. This is your accountability time. Yep. Okay. Excuse me while I get, get that dart out, my kidney. Because y'all, they've been cutting me all morning, Rhea. I got, like, I'm bleeding from here. got war wounds. Or, okay, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yes, I will, Jesus. All right, next Monday, I will I will do that. I will do that. I wanted, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. And everything is going to be okay. Everything mm-hmm. is going to be okay. Yes, it is. That's why she brought it to us to give her some accountability. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. All right, ma'am. All right. So now we're going to ask you about it, and if you haven't done anything, you know we're going to ask you why. Right. And you know I ain't going to lie about it. I'm going to tell I the know truth. all your people, so hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So basically what she's saying is don't even think about not being on the call next Monday. Obviously, so I ain't gonna even try. <laughs> and you too light I don't to even try. Yes. Okay. Well, all right. I'm all over it. And yeah, because I mean, because this is April. School gonna be out in two months. Uh, isn't that something? Yeah. Isn't and you know what? Okay, can I tell you all something that might sound really immature? And it might not be right, but I got to tell the truth. <laughs> I cannot wait until I go up to the school and pass out the stuff for my program. And I'm going to look at the principal like, mm, I need you to know that one monkey don't stop no show. You want to see your kids? They welcome. Bring them up. <laughs> I know that. Right. So you know that's so flesh talking. I know that, girl. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know, man. I know. So I'm going to do it, though. I'm, I'm going to do it. It's all good. You have no choice because it's already your name that it be done. That's true, too. That is, that's true. That is true. Because I have all my, I went to clean out the classroom and stuff, and I have all my, um, you know, all my, my stuff. I mean, I have everything. I got my poster still. I got books. I got four boxes of my children's books. I got everything. All right, fine. It's on. And crack it. There you go. I'm going to talk to Pastor Joe today. 
about, because um, he has mad connections in the community. So I'm going to talk to him about it, you know, let him know what my thought is, you know, all of that. Because they might even let me use church. See? If a lot of church kids are going to be in it, we have a beautiful mm-hmm. church. Beautiful church. Uh, all right, well, I will let you all know how everything went. There you go. Amen. Our work here is done. Yes, it is. Uh, Lisa, can you pray us out? Yes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for answering the prayer that we prayed before this Bible study began. You indeed did exactly what we knew you were going to do. It was blessed. We learned. We shared. We were encouraged, motivated. We questioned all of those things, and we thank you. We thank you for being true to your word and for honoring your word. And we just continue to ask that you bless, that you move through, that you just have your way with this line. And for those individuals who are on the line and for those who wanted to be on the line and were not able to, for those who are working, for those who, for whatever reason, were just unable to be on the line today, we just pray that the that the fruit that was born on this line today, that it spreads out, that it spreads out to prayer shifting ministries and all of their families and their seven degrees of separations and not just prayer shifting, but anybody Anybody to whom these messages, uh, these words were supposed to penetrate, we just ask that you just find, you know, that you just move and they find their way to their destination. And we just ask for a covering for each and every family represented on the line that until we are able to, to meet up again, till we're able to speak again, till we're able to fellowship and commune again, that you just cover each and every one of us that we will be able to do this yet again in your name. And we just ask that you just continue to have your way and that you just flow through this line that you are just continually and abundantly blessing each and every family represented here and that whatever it is that you will have to be the final product of all of this, that it will come to fruition. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, sisters and brothers, you still on. You guys have a blessed day. See you tomorrow. All right, you all too. Okay. All right.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.